0: I think we're talking enough that we should put it in a podcast again. And then you got the camera, and here we are.
1: We were some fresh-faced boys. Yes, uh, and You're you didn't I have had the curls hair <laughs> on my beard and none of it on my head. I feel like an adventure. I can hear the music playing in my head.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of the X Bottom. I am one of your hosts Alejandro and with me is the busy man.
1: Paul, oh, hey everybody. I am very busy, but yeah. it's good to see you.
0: How you doing Paul because I know you have had a hell of a last two days.
1: <laughs> there's been a lot going on. Um oddly enough, there's nothing really going on in the city. It's just um a lot of people wanting me to do many different things all at once again. I'm uh, also volunteering for my church's vacation Bible school, so Ooh, so that gives it uh, extra. <laughs> That's what's taking up my mornings right now. But then after that, I've been dealing with some tech-related issues that kept getting pushed back. Fortunately, we just got it fixed today. So that is no longer going to be a problem for me. And nice. I can move on with my life. I've also been doing something uh, in the pipeline that I can't talk about yet, but I'm really excited about. It is I the thing. we mentioned it yeah. to you. Okay. I'm not um, going to mention it
0: to you, but I'll give you yeah. the time.
1: I'm working on more details and one day I'm going to reveal all of that to the world. But anyway, yeah, I'm working on something. No, I guess,
0: yeah, I'm doing good. It's just been, um, finally, I think I'm finally moving on from that time that I was sick. I have just had some like lingering pains. It's
1: been a while that you were sick.
0: Yeah, it's been a while, but it felt like uh, it it left me, it wasn't COVID again, thank God, but it must have been like a weird influenza that left me with like some weird um, pains in the, the body fluke does
1: some weird yeah. crap to you, I tell you.
0: Yeah, so guess it must have been like a, something that must have infected like some a part of my stomach. My doctor said so. I've been like just uh, doing some massages with something called closil, which is like a this cream that's like sponsored a
1: sponsored segment. Yeah,
0: right <laughs> yeah. You even had
1: it prepared. Yeah,
0: <laughs> because I just have it here in my thing in my desk. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, I'm just uh, recovering, and I'm losing. I've lost some weight. I've been pretty happy about that in, in the middle of all this. So. That's
1: always a nice benefit to the uh horrible pain that sickness brings you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And uh and good thing if this always happening in the middle of us, finally concluding uh the key three, we can call it if we can call it that. So but we're definitely gonna talk a little bit more about that, but Before we dive into that, there's a reminder that this is the X Bottom Podcast, our gaming podcast that posts every Wednesday from 2 p.m. onwards, God willing, available on the YouTube channel, Escape Media, as well as most audio services around the world, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. And you can find links from the RSS feed at anchor.fm slash escape-media. If you enjoy our show, give us a like and subscribe. And I just want to address that with Paul behind the scenes, we're talking about like a shift in date that may happen later in the year. I had mentioned it in like this reacts that i did with our friend pj slash jok uh that i recorded after we saw the uh microsoft uh, uh, the xbox bethesda showcase that happened this last sunday and uh, i kind of announced it but i haven't posted it yet if you see it uh, if you see it live you'll probably see it there so you will keep you updated if like we end up moving the day the days uh for later but I've, for now it's like still a wednesday show that i was gonna post on wednesday at any time that times allow that time allows us after two PM. Paul, what have you been playing?
1: So I played several games this time that I because I needed to branch out a little bit after the last couple weeks where I only played Destiny 2. Yeah. And uh the first one was one of the games that came out on the PlayStation Plus monthly catalog, Mm -hmm. which was Naruto to Boruto Shinobi Striker. So
0: is it just a multiplayer game or is there story
1: content? There seems to be some kind of story content that I've been going through this really drawn out tutorial on it that makes you go to each of the main segments of the game to to kind of like a character from the story shows up and tries to narrate of like, hey, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. And then you go into like a little sort of mission that just is the environment, there's some NPCs and you gotta learn how to do the stuff because they want you to, I guess, learn before you jump into multiplayer, obviously. But it seems like most of the game is geared for multiplayer so that you can Mm -hmm. build your little Naruto OC, do not steal, and then put that into matches against other characters and then slowly you gain currency to unlock different ninja techniques, different outfits and stuff like that. That seems to be the main gameplay loop for it.
0: i needed i needed to find out if there was like some single player stuff because i know that naruto game from back in the 360 days was really good and uh i've been wanting like to try it something like that because i i mentioned before that um i i'm not much into anime like per se yeah. but i'm very much into anime adjacent stuff per se understand and uh, i think gaming is such a good way for me to like indulge myself into being able to interact with anime.
1: You can uh, actually get past a lot of the the nonsense. Unfortunately, it is plagued by a lot of the same problems of menus. Mm -hmm. uh, Especially where it's like you gotta go through all of these little stupid details. It is very... Um, where the Naruto games of like the 360 era were a lot focused on those like big cinematic moments retelling the story, Mm -hmm. which were like my favorite parts of it. Uh, This is very much like build your own character and then go into like this sort of mini sandbox area. And then you just... It's like a team deathmatch or you have to capture zones or whatever. But the real draw is that you're creating your own character out of it and then you're slowly getting better uh, to continue playing all that. So, yeah, it's um, it's all right. I, I mm-hmm. think for the people that like it, it's going to be nuts. Uh, it covers all the details because it takes place after. Like in the middle of boruto which is the sequel series mm-hmm. from naruto so of course you get spoiled on everything that happened so why is that. it
0: called boruto is that the name of a character or? that is the
1: name of naruto's son oh uh, okay so yeah this is like literally the way naruto ends it flashes forward like 20 years or something he becomes the hokage he has a child named boruto which is a translation of the word bolts mm-hmm. but that doesn't flow as well so they call yeah, it boruto, boruto. Um, It's better than the uh, side character named Sarada, which sounds Mm -hmm. all right until you realize that's badly translated of salad. And that is literally what they said. Uh, unfortunately, anyway, so yeah, because of that, it's like a VR thing where you flash mm-hmm. back and you can play against enemies of different eras and whatever. So it, it's kind of like, all right, we just assume you understand what's going on. Let's just go have some fun. So I, I can't really fault them for it, but it just didn't really have enough of that stay in power for me to continue playing it. Beyond that, um, Guilty Gear Strive had a new update and I really mm-hmm. wanted to try it out. And they beefed up one of my favorite characters named Kai. And I have been playing a little bit of that. Unfortunately, their lobby system is terrible and it's really hard to find players to play, (laughs) uh, which so you
0: actually like playing fighting games online.
1: It depends. It really depends because I I don't I I love (laughs) the aesthetic of a lot of them, and I hate the process of playing them. But this one is so simple and they really brought it down to allow people to play it. And with each fighting game I've tried to learn, it's gotten easier to understand like their own specific dialect that they use to kind of communicate moves. So now I'm like, oh, I kind of understand this to like QCF and then like crazy arrows directing things. Um, So it's, it's just because I'm learning how to actually understand that language that it's making it easier and it's just so gorgeous of a game and it's so easy to jump into matches Mm -hmm. that it's worth it sometimes but the fact that i just struggle so much to find anybody to play no matter what region i'm in makes it a little frustrating um beyond that i played john wick hex briefly uh, just to talk about that for a second um i didn't expect to enjoy that as much as i do
0: yeah it's like i've seen videos of it um Ironically, you anyone that has PlayStation Plus, uh, the new PlayStation Plus just launched the yeah. extra and premium tiers. If you go the extra route, it's there. Many games I've talked about in this show that we played in recent sales are all there. So I'm feeling mighty gypped right now, but continue.
1: <laughs> At least we know that we have good enough uh, taste that mm-hmm. even the people that created this were like they would want these games and we're like wait we already have those games so i mean this is just the playstation plus thing feels like for people that need to catch up to everyone Mm -hmm. else and don't already own all these games anyway um i really didn't expect john wick to work in like a almost turn-based xcom uh style of like plan every single second of your action, but then when you really sit back on it and you play it back, I mean, it looks janky as frick, but it's um, it just feels fun. It, it like scratches this weird itch of a very simple game that I can just play and enjoy because once you've played the first mission, you kind of have played the rest. There's just like added weapons that slowly go through that harder enemies or whatever, but it's just entertaining to tear through dudes um then i played ace combat 7 on my 4k tv it's stunning right that is a pretty now quick game.
0: question did you do that yeah. because you went to see top gun
1: no i haven't seen it yet but me I
0: really neither i want to go see it i heard so many great things about maverick uh
1: they even had a dlc for top gun maverick um that has planes from the movie in there depending on if it was just skins and like full new jets that were either existing or fake that they made for the movie Um, but either way it's really cool i played through i started the game from uh, the beginning on easy and then I played it all in first person view which I Mm -hmm. didn't really do much of but I was playing some like jets that I didn't play with as much and I was just really enjoying like some nostalgia the F-14 being one of those because of course that was the original Top Gun but also that was like a huge one for old Ace Combat games and uh, it made me really happy and there was even a skin from the original Air Combat for P S1 that was on one of the F22s, and that made me really happy because I forgot I didn't think they remembered that their mm-hmm. first game was called Air Combat and not Ace Combat. Yeah, um, so that made me happy anyway. I played a lot of Dying Light 2 besides that.
0: Yeah, one um, of the games that, that we of- did our arrangement for because it came in on a recent sale. I haven't touched it yet. Would you believe me?
1: I, I, would, like- I would believe you, I yeah. think. <laughs> uh, so- I was really mean to this game when I first started it up, and there's a part of it that I will hold on to. The plot was like super, like rudimentary, and like plays itself super seriously. But once you get past that point and you start running around, you realize you're just—it's yeah. just so fun.
0: And that whenever you said that, that's why I was like alarm bell started going towards you because it's like that was Dying Light one, and we recently played Dying Light once. So I was like. That sounds like the first game. Why are you? Why well, it's are you, like, funny because grumpy we we're talking about it. <laughs> over
1: the the plot or skipping over all the cutscenes for one. So I had like no memory outside of what I kind of remembered, of like okay, he's like a CIA agent or something, and he's dropping in, he's trying to like betray them to get this thing from a dude that's in there, and then there's a UFC fighter that doesn't do anything, and that was like all I kind of remembered of the story of Dying Light one. So this one I was like, okay, they've got to have like learned from their lesson a little bit from there. Right. And, uh, they just kind of went and the world is worse. <laughs> and then from there you just kind of rolled with it. Um, I think part of it is because I just didn't like the opening segment, where you just like meet this random guy that mm-hmm. kind of info dumps at you. And then there's literally a point where he's like, Oh, I think I'm getting worried about you time to leave. And that's almost like word for word, what he says. And then he just leaves after another couple of lines and you never see him again. I was like, what was that about? So that was weird. When you play it, you'll understand. But um, after that, it got significantly better. Learning, like meeting the new characters that I'm gonna deal with and get quests from. It was just, it was fun. Um, It's really entertaining to find the new weapons, understand how the system works. Uh, You can't repair weapons now. Uh, you literally have to you use the weapon and the method is that when you modify it, it just gives it durability back. And so people have been using that to make the weapons last longer, but there's not actually a way to repair weapons in this game.
0: But I mean, d- it
1: was in durability. the first one.
0: Oh, OK, but that's the thing was like, isn't durability and repair kind of like the same thing?
1: The whole they there's like a added focus on buying things from the craft people now so it's not more about holding on to one weapon uh they want you to use a weapon they want it to get down so you modify it to get better and then you continue to use it when it goes down but eventually they want you to continue rotating weapons so they don't want to give you a way to just Get this one high rank thing and just keep it also because each level you get the weapons are capped by not only their rarity and the color but the number so you can get like a gold level one thing and it's trash because you just got a level two thing that's blue that's so it's destiny yes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah like the light level mm. is very indi- indicative of that except you can't destroy lower rarity things to boost the power of your high rarity things mm-hmm.
0: So not non-infusing. So you just have to correct like, hope you get something better.
1: Exactly. So there's even like Easter egg weapons, which kind of frustrates me because they're going to destroy themselves and there's nothing you can do about it. Um so that was like that's kind of upsetting. But I guess there's there's got to be something about that. Um, besides that, the only gripe that I have with it is that certain upgrades are tied behind siding with a certain faction. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a really good crossbow that you get halfway through working with the peacekeepers, but you have to work with them to get this really good. I fight.
0: like that because that's a very that's a very RPG thing to do. The uh,
1: yeah, like siding I-
0: siding with the. Uh, If that wasn't the
1: only one of the only distance weapons in the entire game, I would agree with you. But because that's such a jump over everything else in the entire game, because you get like a bow... And then there's that crossbow and the crossbow, you can like switch different ammo types. Yeah, because the
0: game doesn't have guns, right? No, not at all. Not
1: like the first game.
0: That's awesome. Um, Finally, not like something fresh. It's like a melee combat game instead uh, of a shooter. At first,
1: I thought I would hate it more, but the more I realized there's a lot more variations of weapons, like there's like punch daggers, there's these huge glaives, um, there's axes, your bats and all that stuff. So I was worried it was just going to be like the two options that there used to be, Mm -hmm. but there seems to be more uh to work with on that and besides that i'm just i'm enjoying running around and uh accidentally killing myself by falling off a (laughs) a roof at the wrong spot and um yeah it's it's entertaining
0: many reviews had said that there is a gem of a game here that was just hidden behind a bunch of the glitches that were like damaging many people's experiences so we got this game Apparently, like after a array of patches, have you gotten anything like buggy?
1: There's a couple of moments of bugginess. Uh, for the most part, it's nothing's been like really game breaking. Um, just some of those moments, like I, uh, one of the volatiles, I was in a UV area, and the volatile wound up for its animation to dive. And then it just tackled me in the middle of the area and instantly killed me um and i was like that's not supposed to happen <laughs> and a few other moments of like ragdoll physics but those are just really fun especially when you charge up an attack and they just yeah, go that's
0: the thing that's just mind. open world. like open worlds are generally janky it's rare for you yeah. to find the even the most polished open worlds eventually like devolve into some yankiness because that's the, the nature of the beast so it's, it's functionality at this point, that's the uh, problem.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, there is one problem. Whenever you open up crafting uh, merchants, they're all T posing.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> they're a, supposed that's to
1: like kind of sit there, and there's like a menu next to them, and they're they're sitting there. You hit the button, and then they're like. <laughs> um <laughs> so that's that's just kind of entertaining and i could still go through the many without a problem another so. polished
0: uh, another game from a polished studio that i suffering t posing. what's going on with the t posing over at the first cdpr and now (laughs) techland
1: i don't even know but uh it's it's entertaining so i would say anybody if you were worried about the bugs and dying light too i think they fix anything it's co-op also so it's a co-op game yeah so when you jump in we gotta we gotta work on that because we have a couple yeah we have
0: a couple we have a couple co-op games that we have to get through this summer this and string your paradise
1: oh i forgot about that yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right what are you even playing
0: I finished my replay of Assassin's Creed Origins, at least the main campaign, and started also playing the DLC that I had not played ever, even though I bought it like years ago. But it was just sitting there or something like, I'll get to you. And I never got to. I'll get to you. And I never got to. But that's what I love about this old games getting 60 frames patch because it's basically like, to me, it feels like a new game because I'm seeing it in a way that I wasn't seeing it before. And let me tell you, Assassin's Creed Origins, shut up all the way up to my top five Assassin's Creed experiences from that entire series in, in this replay. I cannot believe there was a point in my life that I always said, yeah, I think I enjoyed Origins, but I don't know if I loved it. I didn't really vibe with it. But well, guess what? I think I mentioned it the last time we talked about games that, that, that about the last time we talked about games we've been playing. It's like, this game has made me it massive crow about how much me engaging with that world just gave me such a magical moment in a way I haven't had with a Ubisoft style open world in so long. It's like I kept sending you guys some of the screenshots of some places I never went when I originally played that game because I was playing that game like I thought it was like previous Assassin's Creed games of just mainlining. These new Assassin's Creed games is about engaging with the world. It's not about just like a mainline thing that you just blast through. And I didn't give this game enough credit at how well-tuned it is with how many uh how much you can engage with the world and getting enough xp games to over level enough to make it like a perfect stealth game even more than i than i thought it could be like i eventually like because you can upgrade your hidden blade like uh, to a certain degree that every enemy that you fight except big boss battles enemies that sometimes you can find encampments can all be one hit killed and uh, with odyssey you have to like spec through the assassin builds for you okay. to be able to do the one-hit kills, in that case with your hidden dagger, and uh, I didn't realize that it was, a, and, and the good thing is that it feels simple, and it doesn't feel overwhelming, because this was Ubisoft's first attempt at making Assassin's Creed more of an RPG, but some real some real great storytelling that really builds Bayek as a character in so many different uh, areas, especially because that game is a redemption of him having killed his own son in accident, because of like the Order of the Ancients kind of forcing him to and him finding family is going through same kinds of loss, and you're doing that and, and you're doing those side quests that let you learn more about them you learn more as, of, of Bayek and kind of like his mindset and kind of see an idea of where the assassin order eventually comes from all of this is in the side quests because the main story is very uh it's a revenge tale by him and and aya his wife towards like the order of the ancients that eventually become the templars but now getting to engage with this world this way, unlocking everything and getting to lose myself in this desert in its gold, pristine, um, pristine color palette. It was enchanting. It was, it was the exact game I needed in this post Elden Ring point that I was and moving away from like the soul series, because I finally cheated myself out of that after Dark Souls 2. And then doing the DLC that takes you to Mount Sinai, which, uh, for our upbringing, it's very interesting it's a very interesting point in point in time in the bible and getting to see that and how it builds as like the first official thing you ever see the assassin order do and even having like because you're against the romans at that point then there's like you see crucifixions happening so it's like there's some striking imagery happening there and I'm like yeah this is like very evocative I haven't seen that from Assassin's Creed in a while and now I'm fine I'm doing the Curse of the Pharaohs DLC which is the precursor of what they ended up doing with Atlantis the 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 like That's the favorite
1: a- added the mythology and stuff, yeah.
0: That was their first attempt at doing that. And uh, it's a meteor DLC, so I have to play more of that. But I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed that I also needed to like play something else before I hit that burnout point. But in the little that I played of the Curse of the Pharaohs, it still has that Egypt. There's something about Egypt that feels kind of like ancient, like it, it feels eerie and ancient. And engaging with the, the, the Egyptian mythology is very appealing. Especially like when, because you have to, the curse of the pharaohs isn't the name. It's like you have to deal with old pharaohs that have come to life due to the due to a piece of Eden. And you go to like their version of the afterlife. I showed a, I, I sent a picture in our groups about me going into this version of the afterlife that is like a gold, uh, this gold area that's like uh, full of like gold plant. And you see gladiator like- Gladiator scene. Yeah, kind of like a gladiator scene. And on top of that, you fight like giant scorpions.
1: So- i did think i saw a few screenshots with them that's mm-hmm. uh that was an interesting little choice they made to throw those in
0: yeah it's like it's that's not this is the like a, the this mythological dlc is when assassin's creed loses any semblance of reality which they always toy with it not being fully real with the whole first civilization the isu thing that yeah they always deal so it's like to me it's just like the next step but it's cool seeing the first time that they're delving to it because i know that uh the Dawn of Ragnarok DLC for Valhalla that I haven't played because I haven't played much of Valhalla. It's like that goes more down the deep end with uh, with the mythological stuff. So as Assassin's Creed Origins, if you have Xbox Game Pass, play it. I tell you, it's like, especially if you have an S or an XT 60 frames patch, it just makes it feel like a new game. It's a, such a stunning world, really fun game. And uh, I'm just glad that I was able to go back to it. It's like, it's it really is one of USA's very best uh, open worlds they've ever made. And uh, after that, I played another game that we did a little bit of our split deal, Trek to Yomi.
1: I bought it. I haven't downloaded it. So
0: I played it a little bit. I had a a, I had an initial kind of like red flag that I didn't see that there's a performance mode there. So it's a game stuck at 30 frames right now. Hopefully I did something wrong. And that game is a can be a 60 frames game because it's weird going back to that to slower moving games. And I'll say this. I like the visual style of this. I hate the combat. The combat doesn't feel good. If anything, this has made me appreciate Ghost of Tsushima a little bit more. Because remember, I like Ghost of Tsushima. I don't love Ghost of Tsushima. That's that's a game that I always wanted to love more than I actually do. I liked it enough to get a platinum trophy, in, but it's like uh, I didn't get far with uh, the go the Kishima Island DLC. I dropped it like really quick, or not out of like anything. It's just like it didn't compel me. I don't know. There's something about samurais that. I like the some idea of it more than in, than I like them in general. I would say
1: it's the same thing that happened to me with Horizon. Exactly. Yeah.
0: It's like I'm all about sci-fi. It's like you're all about samurai. So, is it? But if director Yomi did something, it's like maybe I should reinstall Tsushima and do that yeah. because it's like at least I'm not gonna doubt it from a gameplay perspective. Ghost of Tsushima was solid. <laughs> director Yomi is like it's more of a looker. I like its style. It's like it's even framed like a movie. It has like the 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 top bottom uh, black bars, but it feels a little bit more shallow than I wanted it to. How so, does the
1: combat actually work for it to not really vibe with you?
0: It doesn't, I think it's again, my frame rate snobbiness, it just doesn't feel precise enough. It doesn't feel like, a, because there's something about Tsushima that feels like something. There's there's something you can get into like a good vibe with it that I'm not making, but you should try it. Maybe, Maybe it's just me again, like, Unearthing my general, not a huge fan of samurai stuff, but yeah, didn't fully buy. But I, I, it's it looks nice, I'll say that. However, um, due to a certain game that got a really nice presentation in one of the recent showcases that we're gonna talk about recently, I bought Diablo 2 Resurrected because it put me like a Diablo itch. And let me tell you, this is an incredibly impressive visual remaster in both looks and maintain because there's remaster work can sometimes miss the point of the original art. Like when, when like you remember how a game looks and a remaster can make something look much better, but then loses something special in the process. Yeah. They, like what Vicarious Visions did with Diablo 2 Resurrected. It's pretty impressive, especially because they did the uh, Halo Master Chief collection from Halo 2, 1 and Halo 2 option that if you press a button, you can switch between the old graphics style and the new one. And Diablo 2, it's a 2000 game that's sprite-based. So it's basically sprites uh, from like a top-down top pr- perspective and seeing it move into like a more 3D-looking perspective, but maintaining every... Apart from what I read, it's like, this game is exactly the same as people remember it. Like, they didn't add new mechanics, they kept everything intact. And Diablo 2 is very... I don't know, is that like there's many people really stand Diablo 2 especially versus Diablo 3 like, because obviously Diablo 3 legendarily bad launch that eventually turned itself around with uh, Reaper of Souls in fact that's the first of that kind of game before we started getting all the combat stories that happened with like Destiny and uh, and the like yep. looters of course um, there's something charming about the simplicity of Diablo 2 at the same time it is a very obtuse game where if you're very into the idea of looting many things you have to make very smart choices with what you decide to loot and keep because your inventory space is garbage and uh if you die in the field you lose everything you have to get back to that spot what does he remind you of this is a game that also has strength and dexterity i think i see where Brom software got some inspirations from oh. <laughs> so, uh, it has some of some of those tiny quirks that is like i think people that played this game back then there, it's going to be like walking by like Jumping back into the motorcycle, getting some muscle memory back in, because I can see people that fell in love with this thing in 2000 just jumping in because it is an exact remake. However, uh, I reinstalled Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls yesterday. Yeah. And let me tell you, I don't understand uh, the rose-colored tinted glasses that people have over Diablo 2 to say that they prefer that game over how good the quality of life is in diablo 3 i can give them some credit with the visual style because the visual style of diablo 3 is very world of warcraft it's like brighter brighter while diablo 2 is like way darker this is like this is the kind of thing when you say that you had an edgy face this is what i think of when i think of edgy face because it has that kind of dark dreary aesthetic that you can see with diablo 4 that they're going back to that uh diablo 3 doesn't have that but from a mechanics perspective it's like i tell you i played this thing all night yesterday it felt like getting war, uh, wrapped because i played diablo 3 way back then when i got in, in 2014 on, PS, uh, on ps4 on PS it's like or it's like kind of like odyssey was for me it's like warm wrapping yourself in a warm blanket it's just it clicks just right it's like it's such a satisfying game to go back to and now i'm like should i really just power through diablo 2 because i'm really liking diablo 2 despite its aginess and uh getting more impressed with the remaster work the more i dive deep into it considering how old it is but diablo 3 is just so good <laughs> and and they've been doing seasonal work for diablo 3 that i didn't even know it's like yeah welcome to season 26 i was like what 26 oh, seasons of this so they have been like keeping that thing on with like seasonal content because they didn't do dlc's after Reaper Souls. yeah so can't wait to play more especially as we lead into the release of the sequel But enough of that, Paul. We have to talk about the big showcase that happened this last Sunday, so press X. News. So Paul, we are doing something interesting that you haven't done yet, but I once did back in November where we are inserting something into the episode after we had done the recording. So in the the time that I was editing the the episode that's going live, Square Enix and Capcom uh, had two streams of mighty interest. Uh the Capcom, the Capcom one was the 10th anniversary of Dragon's Dogma, and the Square Enix one was a celebration for Final Fantasy Seven for Final, Final Fantasy Seven in general, because of their 25th anniversary. And uh let's just say that both of these streams delivered big on things people have wanted for a while. So I'll say well, Paul, what did Square Enix announce in this thing?
1: They announced quite a. Well, okay, so they they kind of gave us a couple of updates and whatever, but the thing, do you want me to just jump into what I was really excited about? Yeah, or, yeah just okay, say it. So they, they're remastering slash remaking Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII.
0: Which, for people that listen to episode 53 of the X button, that's Paul's favorite PSP game of all time.
1: Yes. Um, that, and a game that's ooh. not available to
0: be able to be acquired like digitally in either the PSP or the PS Vita, like that's been a game that's been lost to time
1: somehow. Yeah, completely, <laughs> and uh, it's it's a travesty because I feel like especially during that PS3 early PS4 era, it would have absolutely sung, um, but they decided to just not quite from the ground up because it looks like the movements are exactly the same as the way they were like exactly running animations movement. The only thing that's really changed, of course, is the textures mm-hmm. and uh, lighting and the voices are I realize why things sounded weird is it's because Zach and certain other characters are voiced by their remake mm-hmm. voice actors, um, which understandably because they kind of, I'm sure, want to merge that whole storyline for people just to make it clear, especially after the uh, events of Final Fantasy VII Remake where they kind of mentioned Zack, but you're just kind of left to realize the significance of that on your own. So or I it's more like if people- you knew what
0: happened because there's like a little glimpse of the big pivotal moment of that game yes. near the end and it giving some clues that things may be different based yeah. on all the shenanigans that dominated I mean- the final fifth of that game. I'm glad that
1: you got to actually like they showed at the start the cinematic that I've been talking about where he's facing off against everybody and like Mm -hmm. they played a similar version for Remake but that was like the original one I think um, even unchanged so I'm curious to see if they're going to add the same cinematics that were in there Mm -hmm. because there are some really great ones. There's a whole fight scene between uh, Sephiroth, Genesis and Angeal that was just like the stuff amvs were made of back in the 2010s mm-hmm. and um i could gush about this for a while so i need to make sure i stay focused
0: yeah so not not real quick is the combat of Crisis Core time-based, or is it like Kingdom Hearts?
1: Like It's it's like Kingdom Hearts. You can mash the attack button okay. as much as you want. Awesome. I'm kind of flipping through it right now. Um, and yeah, so you just either there's an attack button. There's at the bottom right, there was always like an item listing. And you mm-hmm. just kind of like flip through and hit the button on whichever item you wanted. That would take a second. Um, you had your MP, and I think there was there was something else at the bottom left, but the main thing was the top left that everyone talks about was the DMW system. Mm -hmm. And that was the roulette wheel that was, while you're fighting, it's constantly resetting this roulette. And every time it lands on the same numbers, you get a special attack that does something random. Uh, That's one thing that a lot of people didn't like, especially later on in higher difficulties, because if you got screwed over by a bad special attack move, that would be your move and then i had to reset the whole process again but some of them would heal you and buff you some do like this amazing damage to one enemy some do a little bit of damage to all enemies and it just depended so it's interesting to see that they just brought that back straight up um so i'm a little concerned about how well it's gonna age because i'm sure a lot of people are gonna be like oh so this was like very PSP combat. Um, and in mm-hmm. school, like, birth by sleep, I guess. Um, uh,
0: people enjoyed Kingdom Hearts 3 combat, and that's still PS2-ish. So I don't think people would complain too much. Well,
1: I think Kingdom Hearts 3 really modernized some of it, in fact, by going back to the original, where they could spam magic and stuff like that, which they could hear. So that's one of the good things that you can get out of it. Um, so I think there's going to be a market for it. I think anybody who wants to know the true story of it is going to be totally fine. I'm a little concerned about the last half plot because it, it gets a little off the rails uh, near the end because they had like a really solid idea building up to the certain turning point. And then the entire like last five hours of the game is Zach like kind of on the run and stuff. And they just kind of feel like they're coming up with crazy ways to line up characters, kind of like the last 10 minutes of Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. They're like, alright, we got through the cool stuff, now we gotta make sure we explain where everybody goes to line up with A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what they do here, where they're like, alright, all these cool characters that you know from different parts of Final Fantasy 7 gotta go their way, so let's take a really long cutscene or several here's where everyone is now (laughs) more more or less in some ways but then thank god they tighten it up right at the end and they really send you on your way um into such a good last hour and a half roughly i mean maybe more (laughs) my math is bad
0: (laughs) yeah but i'm just so glad that now this is going to be available in pretty much every system that you would want this to be like they announced that this is coming on to ps4 ps5 xbox one xbox series X and S, switch and steam so this game that was so unavailable now is going to be so available and the best part it's coming this winter which that, is december to february
1: that's it winter it blows my mind um, that is
0: that is this close
1: yeah it's Gosh, I I didn't believe that I could even see it again. I kind of was starting to lose faith that I'd ever really get to play this game again. And just the fact that I'm seeing it, that everybody else is going to get to experience what all of us got to experience, Mm -hmm. seeing the memes of people playing through the game uh, is going to be really entertaining. Like,
0: there was like with the PS Plus Premium slash Extra that has recently come out. and it having PSP games, a lot of people were like hoping. Be like, okay, they're doing PSP. There's very few PSP games that are big that everyone will want to see back. Is yeah. this how Crisis Core comes back? Look, this is what I was saying about a bunch of PS3 games. Just remaster them.
1: Yeah.
0: Instead of just giving us streamed or old versions, it's like they just give us a remaster that can be on consoles that are gonna last for much longer, and then those games can just survive the test of time. Going forward, the more and it,
1: I've, oh yeah, go ahead.
0: It's a. I'm just so glad that I finally get to experience it after hearing so much about it and then people like gush about it. Yeah, and that and it's you so get to finally
1: Experience it. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm really glad, and I, I know I am gonna love to see like your raw reaction to it. And I know you're gonna hate some parts, and then you're gonna be like, "Oh, I see why." And mm-hmm. then you're gonna be like, "This is terrible." And then you're gonna say, "Oh, this is amazing." Oh man, but um, I did want to just mention one thing you said about the remastering, and I think that might even be the way to go, because the more I've gotten into the knowledge of game design, the more mm-hmm. I've realized that something like this is getting easier and easier to do, because assets like this are so much easier to make now, <laughs> and, like, this, technology is no and longer, right, this is no longer like pushing the boundaries of what's possible, this is just, it looks like a PS4 game, but that's all you needed. Like you almost didn't even need to do much except up res it. And I'm sure there was issues transferring PSP stuff to now. So it's like, yeah, just make a few details, change some UI around, and then just keep most of the rest of it. And we've got like the bare bones of this whole game that's gonna print money for it. So yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm so glad. And the thing is
0: that this wasn't even the one thing that they announced at this at, at, at this stream. This is
1: just what I popped off for. Yeah,
0: it, because they in the, they initially like announced that uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate is coming to Steam. So like the the Oppress version that we got on PS5 last year and the Jufi DLC are not going to be available on Steam, and it's Steam Deck uh, optimized. They specifically mentioned the Steam Deck. stuff. Like, like I thought like, I
1: saw that, but it made yeah. me curious. So it's like just fully like, hey, we made sure we made this so that you could play it on the Steam Deck without issues. Is that what mm-hmm. they're saying?
0: Yeah, that is because there's like a, the Steam Deck can play many PC games well. Others can play them, but you need to like tweak it and in, in the PC settings for it to like properly run at the thing. The okay. fact that they specifically mentioned that it's again, something that I mentioned in our episode that everyone's going like to listen later on. That the Steam Deck has been such a success for the people that have been that I've been able to cop one, and getting more like seeing it like developers specifically acknowledge it. It's a good way for that system to feel like it's not just going to be a Valve one and done or something that's just going to kind of pass by. Because I said that that thing was going to be dead in the crib whenever they were going to put, I think it, I gonna I put it out. I vaguely
1: remember that too, and I was like, no, 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 buddy. I think there might this one might be it. Yeah, and uh, I'm so yeah. glad I. Yeah, uh, it, was, it,
0: it was more because of the release. They released it in the middle of the February bloodbath. That's right.
1: So that's yeah. why I was like,
0: yeah, they're killing it in the crib. But a good point. Because the people that really wanted it was like slowly going to get it because they're doing like this slow rollout where you're like in tickets, basically. You're like, yours would probably get here on Q3. There's the people I got it in Q Q2 recently. That's how I started hearing more the discourse that the Steam Deck is freaking awesome. So I... Uh, will definitely wait because i just recently made a purchase of something that is coming out later because it's funny that in that episode we're talking about how we're gonna uh, experience some of the xbox stuff especially with you that you don't know if your pc is gonna run it i think my pc could run it i just bought a series s and it's coming in a few weeks i bought it for $2.69.99 so what
1: do you think um you're not getting this on that are you uh no. You want, yeah, I was going to say you'd want that on the PS5.
0: That's the thing like the thing uh, the Series S for me is going to be a game pass machine. Okay. If a game is going to be in Game Pass, I'm going to try it there. And if I really really like it, it could be like I can make the decision Do I want to just stay here does it look great enough here or do I want to upgrade to try to buy a piece? But at least I know I will like this. So that's yeah. going to be like a good testing ground for me to get there especially because the Series S was so cheap and it's Game Pass. So right. they, they didn't that, say this is on Game Pass. So this is definitely like to me like Final Fantasy is synonymous with PlayStation. So that's right. where I would that's where I would get it personally. So what's funny is that X, that Xbox is getting Crisis Core, but it's not getting
1: Final Fantasy Seven Remake still. I noticed that. Yeah. Um- it's it's kind of funny to me that they're like, yeah, you you could have the spinoff game for the PSP, but no, we're not giving you. Remake.
0: Yeah, and now there's like uh, there's rumors that uh, originally when the Final Fantasy VII Remake was announced, that was at E3 2015. That was not like announced as remake part one. The whole division of different parts happened yeah, that was later. later. Yeah, yeah, I remember that that's that. how they announced Everyone it. Everyone got
1: really pissed off at yeah, first. Yeah, because they were when like, ah. it, it was because they like
0: square enix again, because sometimes things get lost in translation. They yeah. use the term episodic. When you think episodic, you think it's telltale. Very different.
1: Yeah. So
0: that's why the people lost their minds. But what they ended up doing, which they finally revealed here, is just make it's pull of Final Fantasy 13 a trilogy of games for, like, one sub-series. Yeah. So, which our friend PJ was, like, saying, like, I don't understand why people like this. I'm like, I. it was good that you were out because I was gonna go on a tirade of the ignorance or why people are excited for this.
1: Oh, dude, yeah. I... I had such a, like, I was in the middle of getting out of a, a Bible study, personally, yeah. and I <laughs> so saw yeah, that. Yeah. I was I was looking for this one meme where it was like me saying, sure, PJ, because uh-huh. I love using that one on him. Uh-huh. And I think the Squidward meme worked better because
0: it's it, just ignoring the, the ignorance
1: of <laughs> Like, this man who champions Sonic yeah. and all the other stuff that's getting clowned on right now is like, I don't understand why people like Final Fantasy. Okay, Dragon Quest nerd. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. sure, PJ.
0: No, and, and the thing is that I gave them an explanation is like, yes, I can see why people, and you would ask why people like Final Fantasy if you were just off of thirteen, It's no. a trilogy of games that was so derided because... Not only was Final Fantasy 13 not that well received by the general community, even though it reviewed well, it was the fact that Square Enix kept staying on Final Fantasy 13, 13 by gaming 13 too, and then lighting returns. It was like they're giving you more games of things that people have said they don't really like. Yeah. So I can see that. And then 10 is some people absolutely love 10. There's some people that are a little bit more divided in uh, how talky that game is. And Final Fantasy 12 is uh, a game that historically is like, a tale of two games because it had to switch directors halfway through the project so there's like a way within that game that it looks like two different things but final fantasy 7 7 is the thing that made final fantasy popular it was like final fantasy 7 remake ending shenanigans aside was super well received it was in game of the year list people absolutely adored the work on that remake
1: and, uh, Watching the trailer made me want to re-download the game by itself. Yeah, I,
0: I've been like, waiting for a reason to replay it like in the PS5 version because I have it there. And that's what I love about knowing when sequels are imminent because this is the time to like catch up again, to like, refresh.
1: Yeah, so, definitely. Um, so, I wanted to take a second i was thinking about i was brainstorming this idea talking about why final fantasy 7 specifically was such a resonating process so um if you'll give me a couple of minutes i wanted no. to kind of like rant on this because i was breaking down the concept of why final fantasy 7 was great and um it's the perfect urban fantasy mm-hmm. and building into that is I mean you've got the modern aesthetic you've got the modern technology you can do so much with that but then you've also got a very specific energy source that can do whatever you want it and need it to do in the game it can fuel cybernetics Mm -hmm. it can be a life force it can be a soul thing it can do magic and so it just allows you to do all of these things where something like normal fantasy epic high fantasy or like final fantasy 14 for instance you can Mm -hmm. only do so much with that um, before it becomes like steampunk because the very nature of it is more medieval renaissance style mm-hmm. but when you go into like modern first and then you reach back then you can do something like having Midgar being this hyper like almost steampunk but mostly cyberpunk style city in some ways and then you take 10 feet outside and you get farmland that looks more medieval and it just allows you to do whatever the heck you want um in this world and because that and then the characters are just so fleshed out and the people that make Final Fantasy are freaking geniuses and they just reuse all the same monsters mm-hmm. and everything. They use the same magic system. They don't have to come up with all this crap. They got
0: Sidus in all of them, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah. And even now, like uh the deities are pretty much always the same. Um, there was like maybe a bit of back and forth in the earlier games, mm-hmm. but now it's like just solidified. You know exactly. The Leviathan, what it is. Bahamut, Ifray. And you could just make crap up from there because you have the bare bones for an entirely different world every single time you do it. And so when you merge something as deep like that, almost Lord of the Rings level of mythology, but then you put it in a modern setting, you get this perfect mishmash and that's why stuff like Percy Jackson and Harry Potter goes freaking nuts Mm -hmm. because you, you just have all this basis for something that's already set with more of a relatable environment to go with. And then you just throw in giant swords and call it a day and then everyone goes crazy. And
0: especially like now that I have seen and read some of Berserk, like seeing such big Berserk influence in Cloud and Sack, with like the big great sword. So it's like, and also not only that, like Final Fantasy VII was what introduced so many people into role-playing games that was the game that broke into the mainstream. That was one of the games along, the original Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2 and Metal Gear Solid that defined the PlayStation era because uh Sony now has many first party studios that make the first party exclusives for them but the PS1 early on didn't have that. It was defined by this genre defining games. So yeah. that's why 7 it's going to it's going to always command that love and like fa- and like fan uh, fervor that you don't get from other final Fantasy. So obviously right now final fantasy 16 there's excitement for it because the final fantasy 14 guys are doing it final fantasy 14 the most beloved modern final fantasy right now which is insane considering it was a disastrous mmo of a launch yeah. so so and uh the, the, there are other final fantasy 7 stuff that they announced here they gave us season three of the Battle Royale, like Final Fantasy VII First Soldier, which I didn't even I know about. I got it came out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but I mean, so, like, that's, that's one of the many reasons why similarly to Star Wars, Final Fantasy VII seems like the perfect, more grounded example of you can kind of do experiment. whatever with it. Mm-hmm. And like you get this third person almost shooter because you've got super soldiers in it and you mm-hmm. can just kind of go with that. You can do something like Ever Crisis, which is retreading things in more chibi art style. Exactly, and that's the other
0: thing that they announced that there's going to be a beta yeah. for that for iOS. And what's funny is that during that stream, I was like, man, Ever Crisis looks so good. It's a crime, it's just on iOS, but then that's when they hit us with Crisis Core. And yeah.
1: uh, it's like you were reeling over like, oh, woe is us, we don't get Ever Crisis, because, I mean, that's probably the most faithful example of mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII in a modern way that people really wanted back then. Mm-hmm. Because when it goes into the combat, it goes into, the, like, the remake cinematics. Uh-huh. But it's got that chibi style that's very when you're, well like, moving ar- when
0: you're, moving around, which is, like, if you play the PS1 version of Final Fantasy VII, which is available right now on Game Pass and PS Plus Extra, uh, it's, like, that's how you moved in that world. It was like top-down, like chibi-looking. Yep. That was all over you
1: the ability to back in the day. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of chipping through this, and I completely forgot that it's a uh, Crisis Core plotline, Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VII's plot plotline, and, and I think the other ad, mobile one that I'm blanking out on the name of.
0: I don't remember that, but I think there's some uh, Alvin Children in it also, okay. based on, the, so. uh, based on uh, that. something that you see from Sephiroth, because Alvin Children had like a the three separate Sephiroths that then like merge, I think, into the return of like the big main one.
1: Oh, so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he so, got like split into different dudes. The it, 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 children so, was weird. Yeah, so um, it was like
0: a Kingdom, it, it's basically later Kingdom Hearts, what happened with Saiyan Art.
1: I didn't even notice third- it, but um there's completely alternate costumes for the characters in Ever Crisis. Mm. like in the cinematics and stuff like Cloud's got this samurai outfit Tief is wearing a sweater and Aerith has like this uh, Luna Freya white dress ah. on it's <laughs> crazy looking the stuff that they did I really want this to come to console because this might be the new de facto way for people to experience, experience the, like the old, game. yeah
0: the old one
1: because as we've established now, Remake is not following what happened. And it's no
0: longer called Remake, because at the end of the stream, uh, yeah. um, they have following Crisis Core. They give you that one to punch. You're getting Crisis Core Reunion, and you're getting Part 2 of Final Fantasy Seven Remake, which is not called Remake Part 2. It's rebirth. called Rebirth. So in typical Nomura fash- fashion, he loves the R-E word.
1: He does. Yeah, he absolutely and-
0: loves. So wait for Part 3 to be called Revengeance.
1: <laughs> oh gosh i so i i just bought that on steam actually you it's bought seven it, yeah. bucks yeah um, i bought it for anyway. five bucks
0: on xbox so yeah,
1: nice oh uh, but I'm, I'm just looking at this walking through um that flashback segment of cloud and sephiroth going mm-hmm. into the Mie- Nibel nibbleheim Nibelheim, i think yeah they, I think they made like the almost identical name for the enemy kingdom in Final Fantasy 15, and it's messed me up ever since. But yeah, um, all of that, seeing what's going to happen next with Zack's whole storyline, those yeah. voiceovers, and then specifically, yes, yeah,
0: especially the, the if you read the beginning of that Rebirth trailer, it's about like the past is set and uh, something about this, the past being set in stone, but the future is unknown, something like that. Yeah. It's them basically confirming many people's fears, quote-unquote, like the periods that they're gonna be toying around with, like, the story of Final Fantasy 7, that this project is no longer just you watching the original game, being, like, faithfully retold in, like, better graphics. This is something new. Like, the plot here now finally goes forward with Into the Unknown, and to me, that's exciting in a way, because as someone that knew of the story of Final Fantasy 7 original, but never fully played that game, uh, Just knowing that now I get to experience something new. That is not something that... This is not Game of Thrones seasons 1 through 5 that... If you really want to just go to Wikipedia and spoil yourself for the story. It's like now... It's like, are they really going to change the big stuff? Are they introducing new stuff? Or is it eventually just... And it's just going in these different directions that end in in the final spot. I feel they're being really like batshit crazy about the things that they're willing to change. And it's going to... This is going to be Ryan Johnson Last Jedi that's gonna divide the fandom.
1: Very divisive, unless, <clears throat> unless they just allow you to make the choices yourself, and that means that you can theoretically play it so mm-hmm. that you get the plot of the original. Um, I think it's gonna be just, uh, it's gonna be a bloodbath of people going back and forth and mm. really hating decisions left and right.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think like the big question is, is the big character dying? That, I think that's like, that's, that's probably been the, yeah, the yeah. That's been the content yeah, this. the forefront of all of this because that's like such a pivotal moment, like emotional moment that pinpointed Final Fantasy VII into people's all-time favorite games because of just how much of a gut punch that scene was. And I don't remember exactly when in the game it happens. It's uh, like so,
1: halfway through the game or something.
0: So technically, based on where we are with this rebirth. Is that where that's supposed to happen? So That's,
1: if they keep to the pacing, most likely. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is that's going to be the focus near the end that, of this game.
0: I tell you, I want to play the old one now. I, I really want to play the old one now. It's, like, it's,
1: it's going to be rough, I'll tell it, you right it, it now.
0: Absolutely, I, I tried playing it before and I was like, should I? Mate. But I'm like, I've learned to tough it out for all games, I feel like if I really, really want to play them. It's so.
1: almost like, uh, it's is going to sound terrible. It's, it's almost like reading a history book because you're <laughs> like, this is how it was for all of these years ago.
0: I am a history nerd. I like putting yeah. myself back to this is how things were. Like, I feel I have a good ability of transporting myself to like old stuff and meeting it on its terms. It's kind of like what I was telling you is like, already four right now, it's dated, but I always managed to go back to that game every year accept it on its terms and i always have a blast and accept it like it's delivered the sign and it works for me so if i can do that with re4 i feel i can try to go back to that one and finally just really experience it on my terms like it's once in a while i do a turn-based rpg like the last one i did was south park uh the fracture Butthole. so and 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 that one was quite an experience when i did it back in 2018 christmas 2018
1: but uh it's a i think it depends uh very heavily because re4 is a lot shorter and i think it's still really yeah it's, like it's still
0: long for resident evil standards but yeah it's not well, as yeah. long as final fantasy
1: right final fantasy 7 like you'll sit there for just hours and hours and hours and hours uh going through all that but my goodness it's it is it has so much charm to it that stuff that's been lost to time game mechanics that just don't exist randomly, well you've
0: never been at. I never seven, beat yeah. it, but
1: I played through most of it Yeah. Um. and I, I couldn't find where to go at, at a certain point and I just...
0: Yeah, I have gotten to the point where uh, I'm just going to be using guides, especially like with this other stuff that, that was announced point. in parallel uh, to this stream. But yeah, it's like they it, they closed out the stream. It was fairly short, but the power of the announcements was such that I feel Square Enix won key three.
1: Gosh, I mean, it's almost like an apples and oranges things though, because when you have to show so much, you lose a lot of that direct yeah. impact. But so then I mean, at the like, same
0: time at the same time, remember what they showed last year, Square is what they decided to show? That they I mean, this, they showed something. Yeah, and they showed something oh, that yeah. tortured you for an entire year.
1: Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> so I mean yeah, there, there's a lot of that going on, so that's a good point. Yeah. But- uh,
0: to me, it's like, uh, because we didn't talk about this in the main show, uh, especially because we're going to, like, after this, like, in the normal episode, people are going to hear our recap of the Microsoft Showcase. Yeah. I feel during this time of year, a great showcase is one that is paced well, and the quality of, of announcements are such that leaves you like the most excited. That's why I kept saying that the state of play out of all the things out of all the presentations that we that, that we got to see uh for 2022 this year, at least from this E3 period. That's why that's one's been my favorite because it packed a lot of the game of games that I really want to play and it respected my time for like 30 minutes. The Xbox the the, the, the Xbox showcase that we're going to recap uh after this. Um it's uh something that I enjoyed the majority of what they tried to do to fill out their year, considering their uh, their uh, their big vacancy after what after their big two delays. But there's there was so much of that stuff that was so unmemorable that we only remember until we we read the recap, and it was in an hour and thirty. And then the, uh, the, the Summer Game Fest uh, showcase by Keely, which has ended up being like the worst one out of all of them now. It's like, it promised, uh, it, it was like Pace Weird by packing so much of the same kind of stuff from the very beginning, showed you two gameplay montages with uh, Callisto Protocol and Modern Warfare. And you had kind of mentioned, like does the fact that we had seen trailers before it blunted the impact of what we saw here? And yeah. from what I've gathered around, that actually happened.
1: Yeah. So, I think if um if Redfall and Starfield hadn't been delayed, I think it would be a lot higher. But the mm-hmm. fact that we still have to wait so long after Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think it just definitely it wasn't like anyone's specific fault besides the pacing. That was mm-hmm. definitely somebody's fault. Yeah.
0: And then in Keeley's stuff, he decided to make their his big bomb a remake with Last of Us Part One. And he didn't have anything right. else. And that thing leaked. So the punch of that show was like the punchline was already, you, knew, you already knew the punchline, so it left that yeah. thing feeling weaker, and that's why a lot of people were so angry about that showcase, and it actually like hurt the position of Summer Game Fest, game fest as like a premier place for people to like debut their games, especially now that E3 has said, yeah, we're coming back next year, and they're going head to head. And now Square Enix, like in 25 minutes, if you're like, especially like, you have to it. if you're not a big Final Fantasy guy, maybe this is more, isn't for you, but if you're a big Final Fantasy guy, I can't imagine watching this stream and not being very
1: excited. This is like everything that a Final Fantasy fan would want unless you weren't a Final Fantasy 7 fan. That's exactly, all.
0: Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so you can caveat it there, but I feel like for a celebra- like for a celebration of something, Square Enix shockingly did it well considering they usually are always shockingly bad. Just look just watch yeah. last year's conference. That spent 30 minutes on Artists of the Galaxy and had to like uh, right. blue ball us with Final Fantasy one, two, three, four, five, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 pixel arts that were just in yeah. PC and uh, the destruction of Babylon's Fall by it being a live service game, trying yeah. to save it a little bit by showing War for Wakanda and Avengers uh-huh. and then a little bit of a glimpse of more Outrider stuff and, uh, and Life is Strange True Colors and my favorite of all time, Stranger of Paradise. So it's like that was their showcase last year, and it yeah, was yeah. That
1: was that was pretty bad, actually. Yeah, exactly. So
0: so now compare them, like focusing just on Final Fantasy, and just the idea now that remember Final Fantasy 16 is next summer. This winter is Christ is Crisis Core. Then the Gosh. summer, if it doesn't punt slightly, like that's where they're aiming for Final Fantasy 16. they're basically polishing and scratched. then remake. And then, and then Rebirth that was announced here, along with like them being like, it's going to be three parts. It's coming next winter as a PS5 only game. So it's like, it's that's the, gonna be- uh, everyone's going to be getting good yeah. with your Final okay. Fantasy. And that's crazy for Square Enix, which you're so used to them announcing something and waiting years for it. Nomura, yeah. And Nomura mentioned, uh, real quick in, in, in like a statement that they put out when, when Rebirth was put there that, uh, they switch technologies and it's made development much easier. I tell you, Unreal Engine—it's what's saving that company, I like more I'm than Lumi, more, more than Luminous tools. And before we uh, go back to like the other regular scheduled programming, there also has some Capcom stuff that we talked about with Resident Evil. Just as little spoilers—they uh, held that stream for Dragon's Dogma, uh, the 10th anniversary, and they announced what we knew it was going to happen. 10 years later, the creator of the Devil May Cry. Or at least the recent director of the Development Cry series, he very happily announced that Dragon's Dogma 2 is actively in development. Yeah. And I tell you, it's like for fans of Japanese of like that side of Japanese stuff, my Twitter timeline was grinning from left from ear to ear. Yeah. Um, it was like in the same day, they finally got both their Crisis score, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and Dragon's Dogma 2, a game that the people that absolutely love Dragon's Dogma absolutely love it. And Gene Park, a guy that the guy from Washington Post, he said it's like I recommend Dragon's Dogma so much that I tell you, play uh, play with a guy. Get, like, warned up because that game has some real high highs. He said something that, I don't know if it was a hot take, he said, the highs of some of Dragon's Dogma's bosses are even better than those in Elden Ring. And he praised Elden Ring, so.
1: us wise I I can agree with that because Dragon's Dogma was so much more focused Mm -hmm. that it really focused on the experience. And that was, like, where you could hold a button and you'd like grab on like shadow mm-hmm. of the colossus and you'd get to like do the whole attack mm-hmm. motions and it, it was it was, it was less nuts. of
0: just swinging a sword and hoping to see blood that keeps like lowering right. uh health which is soul stack, even Elden ring does it that's how the this from software design is so obviously we didn't see much of that just the idea that Brown's arm is in development now it's good that capcom now is uh Obviously Resident Evil is like booming right now, it's like the best, it's like, an, it's riding such a high. Uh, Street Fighter being back and people being excited for that is like, that's really good for it. That, that's actually really good for them. Them seeing uh, a Monster Hunter is like make, keep making them so much money. And uh, now they're... Uh, Bringing Dryon's Dogma back. What other series could they bring back and be of this quality? Because now this is the Capcom you want making games. You didn't want 2014 to 2016 Capcom oh. making games. Look what Street Fighter V was when it was that Capcom. Yeah. You want the post RE7 Capcom to be making all these games. So.
1: They, I'm just, I'm so excited about the way that Capcom's been doing things. And I think I I realized it on recording one day where I was like, gosh, is Capcom my favorite developer now? Yeah, um, man, you
0: mentioned something that they do dumb stuff, but I need to correct it. What kind of dumb stuff? They haven't done dumb stuff in like so to. long. Um, exactly. They used to back in that yeah. terrible era when you know. I Flumeo can't think
1: left. of anything off the top of my head right now because they've been doing so much detail and extra effort to like recapture the fans' trust mm-hmm. oh left and right i mean the re engine is so versatile that they're able to just build everything on the yeah, same and engine like and they're that. building and,
0: dragon software RE in the engine that thing's gonna be nuts
1: <laughs> they, i'm i'm so impressed that the like a developer was able to create an engine so good that they can do all that i mean the only other people that used to do that was battlefield really i mean yeah it was other Frostbite people and, would but yeah but that was Frostbite, the only one
0: that was yeah but and Frostbite immediately, like immediately, showed that it's very limited. Like any yeah. game made on Frostbite that was not FIFA, like the RPGs made on Frostbite, oh, like Andromeda and Anthem, <laughs> Dragonish Inquisition ended up being good. But technically, you go back to that is that like, you can still feel the roughness of them doing it on Frostbite. Yeah. So it's like and uh, the only EA game that didn't use Frostbite in that era, Apex Legends, and. Uh, and Jedi Fallen Order that used Unreal and uh, Swords engine, yeah, that was the ones that worked well. So it was like, yeah, that Frostbite tool doesn't work. And look what happened to Battlefield twenty forty two. Frostbite is no longer, uh. it's no longer like the king of the hill when it comes to engines. Even though games look pretty, but it's like they're not functional. And yeah. and our engine is functional. So so that was the uh, so th- that was our addendum or pickup that we got to record. They put, like, this is why I pull like a we're mentioning it later in the show why we're hopefully pushing to try to push something for later in the week to kind of hit it immediately, but yeah, eventually we'll get there. So still, like, it's going to be a show that's being posted every Wednesday from 2pm onwards, not necessarily as Wednesday because sometimes you want to hit on this stuff, but yeah, now we're going back to the regular scheduling programming and we're going to be talking about Xbox. All right, Paul, this Sunday at uh, I think it was my 11 at 12 uh, central time, the Xbox Bethesda Showcase for 2022 happened where they were going to make the case for why Xbox was going to be relevant for the next for this the rest of this year because they had two big games delayed. I'll say this. They came in right out of the bat after like showing a couple of games saying that this was going to be a showcase for the next for, for what's coming to Xbox within the next 12 months. So it's like starting from that June, from like when we saw it, until the next showcase in June. So that's kind of like the, that was how they framed it. What do you think of what they showed? Just in general, before we read quickly what they, what they, uh.
1: Overall, I mean, they had some lows, but they did have some highs. And they had a good level of technical prowess along mm-hmm. with a few IPs that we've been looking for and a few that we just expected. Um, but overall, there was also a lot of like either completely forgettable stuff or mm-hmm. stuff that I'd never heard of that they acted like was a big deal. And um, I, I'm i kind of curious to kind of go through them yeah. and then just kind of let y'all hear all of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, my thing is that um, what makes me so sad in a way about seeing that uh, that presentation is that they didn't have a backup for the for the delays for both Redfall and Starfield, at least from like the big first party stuff. There are yeah. so many games that they have announced since way back in 2020 that I would have imagined they could have tried to work something out to for the, for them to be in this showcase. But they also caveated it within the show that it's just yeah this is what's coming from the next 12 months. So Beyond that, we're not talking much. I think it would have been good for them to say it ahead of time that there, this is the showcase for the next 12 months. And technically, I don't hate the idea because I do like the idea of, okay, what am I eating for the next year? That I actually, yeah. because a lot of these showcase are a lot of promises. And this is not just an Xbox. Like PlayStation has given us many out there promises also. Look where we are with Spider-Man, with Spider-Man 2 right now. Uh, I think there's a good healthy balance to have a, the things that you're going to eat right now. Yeah, and then just some excitement for me and they had one big thing that's like for far beyond that we talked about it we, we talked many rumors in this show before we're gonna talk when we read yeah. that but I feel they um, if, if they're gonna stick to this format I don't mind it I just hope that they also understand that they can pepper in right near the end more like future stuff so you know because I think excitement can be cool for what you're eating right now and then what yeah. you'll eat in, 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 in the next year
1: I, I don't know In my head, I don't know if I've just gotten tired of people talking about things that aren't coming out for the next two, three plus Mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Because that doesn't really mean anything to me because there's going to be so much changing. And usually you kind of know when something's in development or if the possibility of it getting made into a sequel Mm -hmm. is very, like, tumultuous, for instance. Then Mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, okay, confirming this would be nice to hear at least, Mm -hmm. but I almost don't want them to even bother with like a cinematic trailer or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. because I mean, just look at Beyond Good and Evil 2. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's just one example of many.
0: Yeah. And that's what I say is like, I appreciate the idea of like getting something that it's imminent because at the end of the game, you want games to play. Obviously, Microsoft has been played with the promise of things to come. That has been happening a lot. But to me, it's just insane to think. Just picture yourself in the scenario where they never got Bethesda. It was just the, for, their first nothing. party. They would have nothing for this year, like, from them. And even with Bethesda, they technically don't have something, at least for the rest of 2022. They basically yeah. hear... What's funny is that by them now uh, setting up a June-to-June kind of, like, uh, cadence, if the, if this is what they're going to continue doing forward is it then for them to hide the fact that if you're expecting big stuff from Xbox for the rest of this year, you're shit out of luck. But if you don't mind having an open mind and trying stuff, because that's kind of like the beauty of Game Pass, I feel they filled up the rest of this year as best as they could possibly could with A to Double A stuff.
1: Yeah, and and, that's where I'll give them credit, even though it feels like it's a bit middling, especially near the middle. Mm um they filled the gaps that we were worried about with something Mm -hmm. and even though it might not be something for us personally i know a lot of people are going to be popping off for some of the things listed here whether Mm -hmm. they realize it or not once it comes out it's going to make enough waves that people are going to try it out and Mm -hmm. that'll cover them until the big star fields and Mm -hmm. the next big elder scrolls and all that stuff
0: Exactly. And while this doesn't preclude anything from potentially slipping further, they did put a picture of the games that are coming out, and it's kind of like, say, it's like the Wayne Rescue, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, they're shooting their shot of, this is what we're planning to have for you guys that are on Xbox and PC for the next year. want always wonder, remind me of yeah. those
1: MCU show and Star Wars show, like, uh-huh spreadsheets, spreadsheets like, yeah. these are all the things coming in the next five years and i was like buddy that doesn't make any sense so the fact that it's like this is the next year is like mm-hmm. oh okay well this is like roughly within the next 12 months i can d- get with that and i
0: always say that even though much of these games uh don't have like even a solid release they just have a year at least you have the year and at least they were like hey everything that we said 2023 is for those first six months because right. then when we get there we're like starting the cycle of news so and even if one of those sleep, then they could potentially sleep for the fall. So it's still 2023. So they give them themselves some wiggle room. So let me read this real quick because there's a bunch of these. Uh, they show Redfall with a four-player co-op gameplay thing for with a release date of 2023. This is the game that was supposed to come out technically from next month forward if we had the previous release because this was a summer 2022 game. So They also announced Silksong, the... Hollow Knight expansion. People have been like screaming Nintendo, please show it in any of your directs. It showed up here. Gonna be day one day Game Pass, but no release date. So it gave a lot of Hollow Knight
1: fans that blue balls. really funny. Yeah,
0: it, it gave them blue balls. Oh. Uh, high on life, this is the game from Justin Roiland, the guy from uh, Rick and Morty that he did Traverse Saves the Universe for PlayStation VR. There's like an FPS with odd world style visuals. If you're like a uh, Justin Royland. this is an FPS by him. If you like that humor, uh, Riot Games show up here. It showed up here saying that they had made a deal with Xbox to get into PC Game Pass, and by being in PC Game Pass, you have you have you're gonna get benefits for League of Legends, League of Legends, uh, Wild Rift, Valorant, Legends of Runeterra, and Team Tide Tactics. What this means is that these free to play games, because all of these are free to play, if you sign up to Game Pass, you basically get everything unlocked. That should matter. So all the champions are unlocked for both League of Legends things. Uh, all the agents are unlocked for Valorant. you get something called the, founda- uh, the foundation set unlocked? Yeah, for, uh, for team type right. tactics uh, or and, and retire I don't remember oh, yes. which one of those two were. Yep. So and it's coming this winter. Uh, A Plague Tale Requiem, uh, the sequel to Plague Tale. Uh, st- apparently still coming out this year, but it only had 2022. It could slip. But it's going to be day one on Game Pass. Yeah. Uh, Forza Motorsport, what's basically the uh, reboot for motor- Forza Motorsport. Is Sub- that what they're calling it? Yeah, just Forza Motorsport, because Forza Motorsport 7 was the last one that they did back in 2017. There What hasn't makes been...
1: it a reboot? There's not even a storyline.
0: <laughs> just uh, them re- eliminated. This could basically be Forza Motorsport 8, but they just nipped the... The numbers. Yeah. Uh,
1: People kind of drop off after numbers get high enough, so I guess they're just like, ah, new engine or whatever. Exactly.
0: So, and, and I think there's something to be said about starting something with a 0 or a 1. Mm. So, I can see that. Especially, if it's not narrative, so it looks better on screen, but this was a rumor to be like one of the things how they were gonna fill up the fall and they put a 2023 thing. More of that later. Uh, Microsoft Flight Sim, one of the, the big game from one of their big games from 2020 that then came to Xbox Series X last year. Uh, it's been they announced two years. Yeah, it's been two years of fly, uh, Flight oh. Sim. They announced non-airplane editions, so like helicopters and a bunch of stuff, yeah. and a cool edition where you can fly. fly uh, you can fly as the Halo Pelican,
1: which looked really cool. Yeah, I, I and that's that.
0: and that's now available. That Overwatch 2 showed up here uh, to showcase more of the multiplayer. And uh, they basically finally announced a release date of the PvP because Overwatch 2 was the big thing. How Why they are justifying a sequel was because they're doing a campaign. Also that right. because also this
1: supposed to be DLC,
0: mm-hmm. exactly. So uh, because Overwatch 2 would never come out if they're still waiting on releasing the package, they pulled a Halo Infinite and the PvP is being released as a free to play thing. On October 4th this year. And multi-platform. So it's like if you're if you're worried about what the acquisition would mean, they have basically not confirmed what they're doing. Games that have multiplayer in Activision, they're going multi-platform. Uh, Aura History Untold. This was a weird one because this is supposed to be a civilization-style strategy game. They show no gameplay. They had made a point of showing a bunch of gameplay with all the things that we have listed. This was one of the ones they didn't.
1: They did the so, Age of Empires 4.
0: exactly, <laughs> but hey, no, Trevi should talk this time. Oh uh, God! Then they went into into a middle section of this uh, showcase where they talked about expansions for games they already had out. So, Elder Scrolls Online, the annual expansion, it's coming out on June 21st. It's called High Isle. Fallout 76 is still alive and kicking for some reason. They are uh, despite Didn't this
1: realize that
0: yeah, despite this being the 25th anniversary of Fallout, the series. They didn't say anything about anniversary, and they, even though they mentioned it, but they're not doing anything big unless they drop some bombs at at, uh, at QuakeCon later this year, like they did last year with uh, Skyrim anniversary that was announced in August. Uh, the expansion is coming at some point in September 2022. If you are one of the ten people still playing Fallout 76, you have that. Uh, Forza Horizon Five is bringing Hot Wheels back. From...
1: I'm glad they did this because that was one of my favorite things they did. And um Four. what was it? Yeah, Horizon Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love it, it's yes. so cool. It's just such a dumb thing that I'm like, gosh, it just clicks. Glad, that yeah, and, and, and considering of... Forza
0: Horizon 5 is their best received game, I'm glad Hot Wheels is there because it's, their, it's their best one. So, Ark 2, the sequel to Ark, uh, Survival, uh, it's just, it's I don't know, it's got been
1: diesel, it's
0: got been it's got been diesel Family. here, yes, and uh, no gameplay shot is the 2023 thing, Scorn. This was showed at the Xbox third party thing they did in May 2020. The one that I had remember.
1: the big. I honestly thought this came out a long time ago. Yeah,
0: it had not. But considering this is a big third party exclusive that they've gotten next to uh, the Warhammer thing we saw at the, uh, the it at the Summer Game Fest. Oh, yeah. These are like 10 exclusives for Xbox. It's like, this is as close as you're going to get for like big stuff, like big exclusive stuff if you need. In, in in Xbox for 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 this, uh, Scorn looks like a very gross uh, survival horror kind of game. So if you're into that, yeah. it coming out in October. There you go. Uh, Flintlock: The Siege of Flock. This is a game that had looked like a little bit like God of War, but like low budget in a way. But it had an interesting art style that is still many fight With it, it's coming out in 2023.
1: I just uh, realized that the subtitle is so dumb. Yeah, the the siege <laughs> of flock. Lock, the siege of flock. I know. <laughs> uh. so,
0: it, it, it has double A energy. So Minecraft Legends is the action strategy take on Minecraft that it's also releasing in 2023. Hang There's... on a
1: second. I'm going to stop you because the si- the subtitle is Siege of Dawn. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know where that came from. Okay.
0: Thank you for that. So, <laughs> wait, the Siege of what?
1: Dawn, like D-A-W-N.
0: Oh, okay. Like zero awesome. Dawn. Awesome. I have heard "dong," Siege D-O-N-G. Siege of Dawn. <laughs> yeah, Flintlock, The Siege yeah, of Dawn. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> gosh. That's a different kind of game.
0: Yeah, it's uh, light, uh, Lightyear Frontier. So some, uh, not Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear out now in theaters.
1: I really uh, thought that was like a Buzz Lightyear tie-in video game. But I was no, so it's confused. like a
0: space farming sim.
1: So. Honestly, that one looks kind of cute.
0: Yeah, it is. And yeah, like I know, there I'm. This farming sims are not my thing, but farming sims are like many people's big jams. So True. because it's endless, it's like just endless entertainment. That's why like Minecraft is so successful. That's the kind of it's, it's it's you can basically farm there, yeah. technically. Yeah. Gunfire Reborn. This is like this was like an FPS roguelike shooter with animals that look weird. That's coming out in October 2022 on Game Pass. So more Game Pass fodder.
1: Fu Panda with guns. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the last case of Benedict Fox this is one that r- looked really really interesting it was like a 2D platformer a, like mystery like thing mystery yeah yeah um so that's coming out in 2023 uh, as dust falls this is like a Quantic Dream style um narrative that's probably game. a better
1: description of yeah. what i was trying to like come up with a way to describe it but it's it's like you can't really describe the art style unless you uh, see it
0: it's like an fmb stop motion thing
1: it's it's like upsetting with the way that it is but it's also really cool uh-huh. and i can't describe it
0: yeah it's coming <laughs> out in july so it's coming out soon and uh it's what's interesting is that it's an eight player co-op game so you can play that with yeah. eight players like, and do
1: uh what was it? A uh, dark pictures anthology style. Yeah. Or, which by or, the,
0: which by the way, Mind of Medan and uh, Little Hope are both on um, PS Plus Extra.
1: Which is funny. Yeah. It, it is interesting. But
0: uh, uh, but House of Ashes isn't. So that's
1: probably because they still want people to buy it. Yeah. It's so because it's the
0: really. most re- it's the most recent one, So Yeah. They can extract more more juice out of it. Always. Uh, so as dust falls, if you're interested in that branching narrative game with like many different permutations, that's coming out on July 19. Naraka blade point this was like a, a game from china that's like a combat thing like a fighting game battle I royale got it mixed or up with
1: another battle royale fighting game-ish asian style game that came out on the consoles like a few months ago for free on psn and i mm-hmm. cannot for the life of me remember what it was called mm-hmm. but i thought this was like the same game for a minute and apparently it's a completely different one
0: yeah so and that's basically out in a few days. So some and ls on Game Pass. Again, everything a bunch of these things are are on Game Pass, with the exception of Overwatch and uh Diablo, because they can't put them on Game Pass yet. Or yeah. the or the FTC yeah, F- F- do that. Yeah. They gotta like play well with the FTC yet. <laughs> so um, Pentiment. This was like uh Jess Gordon from Windows uh from 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 Windows Central Gaming, the big Xbox like journalist. He had leaked this before. He had said that Obsidian was allowing Josh Sawyer, the creator of Fallout, to do like an experimental kind of narrative game. And this did was they it.
1: Call it by name? Yeah, Josh they... Sawyer. Yeah, Josh no, Sawyer. The the Pentiment. Yeah, Pentiment. Yeah. Okay. Cause it sounded familiar, but I couldn't place it. So that's yeah. What the this thing was. is a okay.
0: Pentiment sounded like a code name for me. I thought that was a combat That's how the game is called. And uh yeah, it's a. Uh, this is their big for first party stuff this is one of the two like for for the rest of this year Uh, even though this is like a small narrative game if you're like into narrative style games from your Sawyer that gave you the old fallouts you're getting his game in November 2022 it's
1: very aesthetically wise very unique because it looks like it's Medieval painting out of like yeah, medieval Renaissance painting, but it's like better animated than some of those other indie like Mm -hmm. Renaissance ish.
0: Yeah, some people said it was like it reminded them of Disco Elysium, but as a medieval painting narrative stuff. Yeah, that's a pretty good
1: description actually, and more 2D than like that isometric perspective. I'm interested.
0: The beauty of game is that in my computer, at least, supporting some of these games that I can try it. So I'll definitely try that grounded 1.0 grounded that uh early access uh honey I shrunk the kids style game against ants that is a survival RPG that many people stand behind like I'm with, shocked yeah.
1: how many people love that game but I mean not shocked because it doesn't look very good it's just funny that like this one random indie game is like the one that has uh, so many it's, people it's following not an it. it's not an indie
0: game fault it's from Obsidian. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's an Obsidian game. (laughs) I don't know why it it felt like an indie game when it came out. I guess because it was early access during Mm -hmm. that kind of era. Yeah,
0: but it's Hmm. a game. It's Obsidian pulling on an an Insomniac for them and getting them games, like that they can say it's first party and it's out here. So now this is the official release. Everything people have been playing this on early access. They've been updating it over the last year and change. Now this is the 1.0 release, kind of like when Hades hit 1.0. So definitely gonna try that out quickly uh, urban shadow legacy this is a sci-fi stealth game that i didn't really pay attention because if you watch my reacts that i put out with our friend pj slash channel. yeah you can find watch it here on this channel it's already live he was asking me how xbox all access at that point so i was explaining him all access, So i mm. kind of like missed this but it's like this is a sci-fi stealth game you know how i'm upset with stealth so
1: is yeah, like, which i found out um okay well i could that can actually wait never mind uh yeah sci-fi stealth games it it, it had like a cool style to it mm-hmm. which had me kind of curious about it um but i do hope that it gets a little more substance than just what i was seeing but i do like the way the robots look
0: yeah and then that was followed up with diablo 4 that initially we didn't think it was diablo 4 because i uh, if you also see my Reacts. I said, I Oh, go yeah, that's back
1: and see that. Yeah,
0: I, I, I said it was like, Oh, yeah, State of Decay. That one was a fun one to watch with PJ because PJ is big on Diablo. Yeah. So him being like, Oh, yeah, that's not Diablo. I'd be like, Wait, wait. <laughs> and he, and before he finally realized and getting to see all that all that gameplay was,
1: Yeah, I'll say I this. I really Diablo, like that gameplay.
0: Yeah, Diablo 4 is the game of the show for, uh, for my for this show for this showcase it was
1: actually going to be coming out in the next 12 months for sure mm-hmm. um, and it's
0: multi-platform also but which still, is what i'm
1: happy about yeah mm.
0: it's a, it was like, again them the con- confirming is like yeah we're not sealing away uh games for big communities because yeah you can't say that you want gaming to be for everyone and making multiplayer games only for your platform so. Plus they need to, they have to see to allow to, to, to approve this thing. So I can see that. Yep. Uh, there was this T of Thieves quality of life update coming on July 21st about like fixing some, like you can customize ships. You can put names, you can like loot. Easier. I really like that
1: one. It was like, say. It, it was like,
0: it was like, because it was done in like a infomercial kind of way. It's a, it was it like had all a, it, it in had it yeah. was
1: It was cute. I, I'm so glad Sea of Thieves succeeded. Of I Thieves wish it was easier one of their, to play by myself.
0: Yeah, that's the problem. It's like, I wish this would be a game that... I play. This would be a great one to... Like, because Zach has an Xbox now. Yeah, This would be a great one to just have gather around and be like, let's play some Sea of Thieves because that game has grown from an embarrassment into one of Microsoft's most successful exclusives from yeah. the Xbox One era that also came to PC because it's, it just kept growing.
1: It's like the perfect blend of style over hyper realisticness and mm-hmm. just constantly being okay with putting out a little bit of content at a time. And now you just have yeah. this full fleshed out.
0: World. Game Pass was made to make that game
1: successful. Absolutely.
0: So, then Ravenlock was announced, which was an Alice in Wonderland pixel RPG that yeah, looked interesting. Um
1: I, I did like it. The I love the, because style, of the style of all the monsters and the way like the creativity that was used. You know, it's like a lot of people just kind of put weird antlers on things and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one looked really genuinely unique and I want to see more gameplay of it, but uh 2023, it's my
0: curiosity. So, yeah. Uh and this one got my attention because of how much I love hit their other games, Cocoon, which is the next game from the inside of Limbo Depths. Their first game since 2016 when Inside came out. This is like a space puzzle game, but I feel this is the, this is the you got my you got my trust. After your other two games, I'm definitely yeah, gonna try it's it in again.
1: Definitely not as much my aesthetic, but it's like it moved very smoothly and it was very interesting the way you could like zoom in like a fractal each time you'd place uh, like the orb and it was just interesting it was almost like what i had pictured with uh ratchet and clank whenever mm-hmm. you'd kind of like zoom in like there's that kind of quirk style mm-hmm. of gimmick that's the word uh, of the way that you can do technology nowadays so mm-hmm. it, it i'm curious
0: yeah makes sense yeah and then we reached the point where this was a big like this was a bigger deal for xbox than you would anticipate Xbox in Japan with Japan, Japanese apps, they haven't been like this for a little bit. This was them basically flexing and saying that they're fixing a long time problem for them. First was Wulong Fallen Dynasty. This is a game by, by Team Ninja that's multi platform, but they're finally getting another multi platform game again because uh, Team Ninja. Well, technically, they got Stringer of Paradise, but that was like through the Square Enix. But them, like Team Ninja was Ninja Gaiden for them. Like Ninja Gaiden was big on Xbox back then. And then something happened to that relationship and it split when Ninja Gaiden used to be like the big Japanese thing that Xbox could flaunt about. Uh, this was a game that they didn't quite say the uh, what exactly what exactly is this kind of game at least from the trailer show, they didn't show if it's like... Is is this like Ninja Gaiden? Is this like Dynasty Warriors? Is this like Neo? Is this a mix of all of these? But what you know is that this is a game that uh, they meant that the relationship is coming They want to Game Pass, even though it's also on PlayStation. This next one, though. Persona 3 Portable, Persona 4 Golden, Persona 5 Royal coming to Xbox Game Pass and PC. They finally got one of the bigger JRPGs into into their systems. This was a series that... Sony had Ironclad from the PS2 and PSP to the PS Vita and then PS PS3 and four, and uh, it, there was just no sign that Atlas was ever gonna come and Didn't do something Atlas with
1: specifically Xbox. Specifically, say at one point that they were like, "No, we don't want to do that." Exactly.
0: No, they literally said that. And yeah. uh, whenever Solar Ashen Two, I think that's what it's called, uh, was announced as a day and date with Xbox and PlayStation for later this year
1: solar ash was atlas
0: yeah not solar ash it was solar something so uh, okay that game had an english dub trailer at the summer game fest um that's when you know it's like okay maybe they're finally mending and they're making it that uh the xbox can get jrpgs again so yeah big deal uh personal five royal is coming out on october 21st 2022 on game pass for both xbox and pc so
1: good for all those people that haven't played it yet because i mean it's going to be some uh Hot takes, I say just skip three and four and just play five.
0: Oh God, people <laughs> yeah. are going to come at you. They're yeah. going to devour you because Do three it. and four are. Do
1: it. Yeah. Three and four aren't that fun to play. I said it.
0: Now, now have you played Portable and Golden? Because old, one, old versions are not good. These are like, I, the best versions.
1: I watched my roommate play through all of Golden over his shoulder, and it just did not like, seem like something that was fun. Um, yeah, because you're also, like watch, oh,
0: watching him play a handle game. Of course, that's not going to look fun. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so it was very much one of those... If I had played this back on like PS2, I'm sure I would have been losing my. Everyone mind. says
0: that Vita version is the best thing way to play Persona Four. Okay, so, maybe
1: like on launch with Vita, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I even like Five was awesome until I ran out of steam on it. But at least that one was really cool to navigate the menus. It was just really fun to go through the animated pieces of that. But anyway. This persona is, what, is awesome
0: yeah and this is what makes people excited because of them announcing pc versions that are also coming to steam steam deck is out the steam deck has been a success mm. for the people that have steam decks that were able to cop one people have been like praising that hint that that thing to high heaven then getting they? Pers- yes because i haven't
1: heard anything about it i guess because nobody can get one
0: yeah exactly for the people that have it it's like everyone absolutely adores the steam deck it's like
1: well, that's really good it,
0: they say it's like the perfect handheld and uh, be, be, being able to play these kinds of games again on like a handheld because Switch got the shaft with Persona again, it, which is hilarious. I wouldn't, would I would have expected it to go to Switch first before ever going to Xbox. And they still don't get Persona games. Wait, they
1: only got the the Strikers.
0: Ha- oh, that's right yeah you can yeah you can only get strikers on the switch i would have
1: thought for sure that it's like a no-brainer put persona 5 on the switch or mm -hmm. any of them really they
0: they, they are perfect handheld games everyone says that so all
1: right win for the steam deck
0: yes and uh i'm I'm glad that people really like the steam deck because eventually that thing will be able to be better mass-produced you're like in a queue if you want one so dang yeah so it's weird but people like all the podcasts that I listen that have one, I said like they praise that thing to heaven, and they're like, people are like playing God of War in this thing because it's on PC. It's amazing. They'll play Spider Man there. Oh, it's uh cool thing, cool things there. But then that wasn't Gosh. enough with the Japanese stuff. They finally confirmed what Jeff Grubb gave us the teas last year because he had heard when the abandoned shenanigans were happening. Mm. Uh, Kojima, is actually going to work with Xbox there is gonna work with a game he said that he's always wanted to make using the cloud because it's like new technology and microsoft is the only one that has invested in cloud technology they've invested in it so much that freaking sony made a memorandum of understanding with my xbox to use that technology also their azure server so of course that would happen yeah even though kojima also then wanted the kojima Productions went to twitter to be like hey just because we're doing an exclusive with xbox don't worry we're have good relationship with playstation so it's like they're gonna i
1: mean with how often everybody reads into everything he ever tweets yeah. i'm very glad that he just went ahead and officially said mm-hmm. it because i normally don't do any of that reading into things but um that would have made me think Oh, did something happen at sony like yeah. that makes me curious well
0: when the persona things were announced uh they only came in with announcement that it was coming to xbox no sign of playstation so everyone was like hey yo atlas you on playstation okay and then yesterday they p- put an updated thing that says that all the platforms platforms that are coming and playstation was there so a lot of people sometimes read to it when it's like you know these like Atlas and Kojima, they have been like very big partners of PlayStation. So yeah, that's why it's like a big deal. So it's not them forsaking PlayStation as much as them finally just going playing both sides, basically. I think the big tell is gonna be if Persona 6 is either a PlayStation exclusive first, or if it comes multi-platform immediately. That's when you know that the relationships have changed. And then the show ended with Starfield with a 15 minute gameplay ball. So that was the Xbox showcase. And uh Obviously, Starfield was at the end. What do you think of Starfield?
1: Uh, so it it's, uh, it really scratches a very specific desire for me, um, and I know you and I both kind of talked about it. And I mean, now just to if...
0: call, just to quote you uh, from when you put in our chat, mm-hmm. this is the first time you've hated that this is something exclusive to Xbox. And to that, yep. I'd say. That's why Xbox. That's why Microsoft bought them.
1: That's exactly <laughs> what that, they wanted for, to do. Yeah, yeah for that. <laughs> I just hate that they were already working on it before the acquisition kind of happened. Mm-hmm. So that I'm like, yeah, I almost had this. Yes. Uh, but also,
0: let me bring this back. Sony almost got this as a time exclusive. When they got Deathloop and Ghostware, they tried negotiating this.
1: Gosh, I can. In fact, over- that's what pro- that's that.
0: what prompted Xbox to just. Show the bigger D mm. and just acquire everything. So blame I... Sony. There. Bl- blame Sony there. <laughs> because it because microsoft got a whiff of what they were trying to do because they
1: this is Star citizen system uh, situation Mm -hmm. all over again because it's like the whole thing with like all the best space related simulators flying uh all of just the best anything space related is always only on pc so like Mm -hmm. the first time it's something like that anything close is coming to console everyone's like Oh my goodness. And now, like the first time that happens, Microsoft freaking buys exclusivity of it mm-hmm. because of course they would. Yeah. Um, so it's like for me, at least it goes beyond the idea of just it's another exclusive that I wanted. It was like this doesn't really exist outside of maybe no man's sky. Mm-hmm. And that's like your only option. Everything else is a wildly different kind of game. So this just, it made me a little frustrated by that process, but Because in your
0: situation, you would have to buy an Xbox to play this.
1: Yep. Unless I just really drop down the ability on the PC. And uh, then you just don't really have fun. Yeah,
0: I need to see the specs for this thing because I I'll say this, this was a very high presentation that also gave me Couple red flags.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's like I understand yeah, why was. Yeah, I understand why it was delayed. Frame rate was not good for what they show. I'll I'll say this: Microsoft deserves many props for having shown so much gameplay in this presentation. Many things I like, came in with gameplay. They keep they they get they they kept getting so lambasted over them relying too much on the CG trailer with like tiny bit of gameplay. Most trailers here were more dominated by gameplay snippets than just yep. like the i thing.
1: for that. They at least showed a lot of gameplay yeah. in most of the things. And here. I
0: think that's why they switched to like the 12 month thing, because if something is going to come within 12 months, you got to show the thing being played or exactly. what it's going to look like. So even in its rottenness, I appreciate that. At least I now, I now have an idea of how that game looks. It definitely looks like a desaturated No Man's Sky with fallout yeah, i don't
1: appreciate how desaturated it is frankly <laughs>
0: yeah which apparently apparently that was like a bug that i was re- reading something really? that it was supposed to look a little bit more vibrant than it did Huh. so we'll have to see more because later in the in that demo they showed more color in the, the different biomes that's when like i started getting a little bit more a little bit more excited because i was like okay here's the palette variety that i would like because early the, the early look of that game is that old school chrome like monochromatic look that I was like
1: it was like a PS3 uh, era thing yeah Yeah.
0: and Um, uh, the faces emote so much better especially compared to how the how Oblivion looks and you can and because this game like borrows a lot from Oblivion from what some people noted with the way the camera zooms in for like the dialogue and going back to a silent protagonist because people hated that from Fallout 4 and uh, at the very least it's like it feels like the engine this I can definitely say it's seen some improvements, but it still see some yank. Faces look great, but there's some dead eyes there. Um and uh the combat looks yanky. It looks like a slightly better Fallout 4, but I realized that Fallout 4's combat was not as good as I was expecting it to. I must end up uh,
1: like a soft spot for it because the combat didn't look terrible for me. Um <laughs> just at least for the first-person shooting ass. do you know what it. it is you
0: know what it is i played 76 which is the game that came out later and the combat of that felt worse so that's maybe yeah
1: yeah because i mean i never really had much of a problem with the fallout 4 it was like yeah okay it's yeah. maybe like a bit of a rigid shooter but it was still but decent
0: i'll say this is like i play i never use bats on fallout 4 that yeah. to me tells me a lot that it was like it's it worked
1: it worked Fun. enough but then uh playing something like New Vegas and 3 it was like you could only use VAT so you would not hit anything yeah oh man good times so yeah um i i didn't have too much problem with the gameplay um i liked that you could have like your own little robot coming out of the cargo mm-hmm. hold i love that straight out of man Gosh, my man's sky the, also <laughs> the creation of your own ship
0: that's really, really cool.
1: Really nice. The details with that. And like it was literally like fit pieces out and put pieces in and things like that. It wasn't just like here's three options, switch them out at very specific areas. And, and like no man's sky yeah. is one of the things I complain about. And still.
0: there's a thousand planets.
1: All right. Yeah, we could talk about that. Um I told Zach or was it you? I think that it's
0: it was of both of us. It was in our chat
1: basically. Um Et, euh... I feel like their whole thing is they're going to have like maybe five planets that are going to be actually important to the story, and everything else is padding, where it's like, oh, you can go off to this planet and go hunt bounties and stuff, but it's not going to actually have anything like real. It's going to be mostly procedural, and then certain areas are going to be curated, uh, which I will say, in the depth of just absolute chaos that No Man's Sky is, they eventually figure that out where they have a traveling space station that you can summon and that's Mm -hmm. like your curated zone Um, but I do wish there were more areas like on planets that were specifically set that you could remember and save there Mm -hmm. to always visit because it's like if you leave that area you can never go back or find it because it despawns that base that you found Mm -hmm. Um, so this might be a way to kind of circumvent that where you have specific base stations. and Yeah. I
0: heard like, I was just listening to a podcast discussing about this. Like some people have heard different opinions of what is it that they could be doing. This could be the procedurally generated thing of this thousand planets are just like math that somebody put an algorithm that creates them or it can actually be uh People forget that Skyrim had like two hundred something dungeons that were not procedurally generated. They were handcrafted by Bethesda. So
1: he used a lot of assets, though.
0: Mm, yes, but it's still like handcrafted. It, it's yeah, still like yeah, it's everything handcrafted with specific things that are like placed in specific in specific places with narrative and all of that. Yeah. Especially for a game that, do you know that the this game had a the trademark for Starfield started in twenty thirteen this is how long Bethesda has been like has had this like planned out almost 10 yeah. years and I uh, remember
1: people were like making mentions of it and it was like Fallout in space and mm-hmm. it was like this means nothing to me come back when I see something about and it. I and, see, and I would see and I would see like, it yeah uh, but I
0: guess it also goes to show that it like Star Citizen is still not out so doing this kind of space yeah, game okay. is like it's a it's a huge undertaking It is
1: because it's so hard to do apparently. Because mm -hmm. you have to like break a lot of gaming rules to make stuff like that work. And I I tell you,
0: and and I tell you, Paul, it's like if they manage to land this ship with Starfield, this could be like favorite game ever, kind of. Because to me, it's like just the idea of space travel and and just space in general. It's like what we've always wanted—a Star Wars game like this.
1: Yeah, we've yeah, been that's, looking that's for been, it for that, every yeah, place and, there is.
0: Yeah, and no one has given it to us. So. I don't
1: know. there is one thing that we also haven't talked about yet that has kind of, kind of raised a red flag, and it is the uh, you cannot seamlessly travel.
0: Yeah, that was just yeah that was just uh, recently announced. It's like, No Man's Sky will have the leg up there, whereas like you see the planet, and uh, you don't have to load it; you just immediately get there. I think With the irony of this is that now I believe it more than ever that you're not like exploring an entire planet; you're just exploring a tiny chunk section of that planet, and that leads me to believe that the exploration of these planets are gonna be more handcrafted than people give them credit for. If you have to load in into thing,
1: I think that they said you could still land anywhere. mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if it's like, all right, you're gonna choose the. like you're gonna look at the planet, you're gonna say, "Land me here," and then loading screen. Mm-hmm. It's gonna pick a spot that's yeah. suitable. But yeah, but it's not good. you
0: like controlling the ship and going straight to like the landing spot. That's the thing that you're they're, they're not letting you. There, yeah. Apparently, that, this will remind me a little bit like what you can do Mass Effect One.
1: That's almost yeah. what I was thinking. Um, because that was exactly what would happen. You'd just pick a spot, it would land you, and then you could break out the Mako. Um, which I, I'll fight anyone that that hates those segments. I really love the Mako. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially now that it's works and like, like if you play the little Mako section in the legendary edition of Mass Effect, it's like the game is now technically it technically works compared yeah. to the 360 version. The so the macro the, the macro elements don't feel as bad to me personally because I would hate them on the 360 version because like 15 frames a second it could the game could crash or the frame rate could tank and you you would lose that that game had bugs where sometimes you would lose the ability to even use your controller they you would have to reload that game it's like Mass Effect One was a buggy mess. Must well, have
1: avoided the heck out of all that. because... Yeah.
0: Or maybe they finally fixed a bunch of that on patches, but the, the thing that's is that true. Mass Effect 1 was just not a technically sound game. Everyone loved it because of the idea of the massive space opera, the story, the characters. It really was a good,
1: such a good story.
0: So Starfield, I'm hoping it's good. Like, here's the thing, like Fallout 76 is the last game these guys released. So they have that... That's a, we can be hyped and all that, but there's also that worry that have they finally figure out how not to do a buggy game like that again or like releasing something and be like we'll fix it later I would hope the Microsoft acquisition not puts them in an extra like in an extra position where they can let a game go out like that ever again especially with how embarrassing Fall 76 was for them Really hope and the reputation I feel them delaying it is a good sign that they actually learned I hope that whenever this thing comes out they say it's still early 2023 based on the based on the parameters they've given us here.
1: Another bloodbath.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I just hope it's good, because this... I wasn't excited for 76. After I saw it, I still played it, and it still... crushed my heart, how destroyed that, that that series got after that. It got better with Wastelanders and all that, but it's still like... Fallout 76 has a stink to it that I don't think it can ever recover from, and it's insane to me that they're still supporting it. But Starfield, I feel, could be a reminder that, hey, there is a reason Skyrim is so, so successful. It's not just a high seller. It was one of the greatest RPGs ever made. Maybe it dates it now based on everything we've gotten after. But there's a reason that game was huge in 2011. We said it in our most anticipated thing thing earlier this year. Obviously, we both lost Starfield. We had it on our list. But it was like the next game from the creators of Fallout and Skyrim. There's something big. To that. So,
1: I mean, even to this day, I am a little bit surprised how well Skyrim actually holds up. Mm-hmm. Just with like a little bit of coat of paint, it's like got a little jank, but that PS5, time, it's, Xbox
0: Series X version are great. So,
1: uh, like the shooting still works, the spells still work, the melee still works. It's like it the all is there. The narrative, the narrative still hits, works. Especially in some of those side content oh the the dark brother of storyline still like gets me
0: <laughs> yeah so I'm getting ready to finally diving in to Skyrim just gotta get you through all this other stuff yes.
1: I don't know if you're gonna really do it this time
0: here's the thing whenever there's a sequel coming out that tends to give me more of a reason to do it so maybe
1: so we'll see
0: we'll <laughs> see So that was the Xbox showcase um, definitely my the big things to me were Starfield and Diablo 4 what about you
1: Honestly, I think I'm going to say the same because I, I'm i just not as big on most of these. Mm-hmm. Even though they're good, they're just not what really draws me. Yeah. And even though I haven't played Diablo somehow... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, when I learned
0: that, I thought... I was like, I would have stormed you had already played it. When I, it,
1: uh, it came out on... PS3 and 360 when I worked at GameStop yeah. and I was like in yeah one day I think I'll get that and, and then, then you never, never got the never PS4 did.
0: version that came out a year after the I version I almost that
1: did I was really close to getting it and then something else came out and I just decided to play that instead and now it's like well I guess I'll just wait till Diablo 4 and uh, mm. I really want to jump in To you to should because
0: day. yeah, yeah you, you definitely should I tell you so especially because now the version we're getting of Diablo, uh, Diablo 3 it's so complete now. This is, this is like now, like Blizzard finally got that game in the perfect shape that it needed to be. It's so addicting. It's like I don't know how much you're into top-down RPGs, uh, but
1: I don't touch them very much. But they have a cool quality to it that I like. So maybe I'm gonna put it on my wish list, and then the next time it's on like a good enough sale, I'm just gonna snag it. It's
0: twenty bucks usually. So
1: okay so it's already at like a decent price i'm mm. gonna i've been picking up some other software for work related stuff so mm-hmm. i might have to wait a little but i i think i'm gonna grab it we'll see
0: yeah it's a great co-op game like it you being into destiny is like play the original looter that's basically the that's
1: that's the problem that I also come into because I feel like whenever I want to do the looter side I'm just going to need to go into Destiny to like get stuff that actually helps me so playing another looter on top of it I'm like oh
0: gosh but that's a different there's a difference of playing a service like looter like Destiny that's kind of like an MMO and Diablo which is not an MMO
1: doesn't it still have like a living breathing marketplace and stuff
0: Uh, no they kill the auction house
1: Uh, okay got it well, yeah. So Diablo and Starfield were definitely the ones that I was like, okay, I'm yeah. Curious. And the
0: Last Case of Benedict Fox is the one that I'm like, I'm oh, yeah. curious. I'm curious for that one.
1: And that was it, the third for me, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but
0: I would say Diablo Four was definitely the most impressive one, just on visuals alone. That thing looked so, yeah. so good. And everything the else the, the, was
1: really awesome. I love the gameplay of it, the yeah. overworld, all that.
0: Mm, yeah, it looked like a great evolution, and it looked like more the mix of Diablo Two II and Three that I was expecting it to yeah that is like it's going back to like the art style that the diehards really like about diablo but it seems like it has all the quality of life that diablo 3 blessed players as much as the diablo 2 uh, diehards like to shit on that game It's like diablo 3 is an excellent game especially after the long after launch period so that's why i tell you it's like some people don't let go of launch grudges no matter how great a game gets That's why you always have to make a great first impression. I hope Diablo 4 makes a better impression than at least Diablo Immortals that people were loving until they ran into pay-to-win scenarios. But Alejandro,
1: didn't you have a phone?
0: (laughs) I do. I have Diablo phone in my phone. I have Diablo Immortals in my phone. Oh, man. I tried it. It's like, it works. But knowing that it hits a pay-to-win wall eventually, I'm like, God damn it, well
1: just like all the mobile games they, yes. they wonder why people don't want to ab- embrace mobile gaming because and that's of that. why mm-hmm. Ugh. but anyway yeah.
0: but because <laughs> the mobile market has built itself up to the only way you can be successful is being free to play and they gotta make because money nobody so.
1: wants to buy yeah. a game on their phone
0: and that and that really sucks hey Troy Baker is doing a live video right now so oh, on, on, on Instagram so, him. so yeah. So alright Paul there, there are a few other things to talk about other than DC3 so but we can like blast yeah, through this real quick. With that. So, was it yesterday or 2 days ago that uh Capcom finally gave some details about the planned DLC for Resident Evil Village? Number 2. I think it
1: was yesterday, but yeah. yeah.
0: Title Shadows of Rose, no, I think it was 2 days ago. It is a direct continuation okay. of where Village's story left off, and it's breaking away from Village's first-person perspective to be exclusively third person. As an aside, Capcom is also introducing the ability to play the entire Village campaign also in third person. More additions to the mercenary mode were announced, including the ability to play as Lady Dimitrescu. Um, Capcom also immediately released the next-gen versions of Resident Evil 7, Biohazard, and Resident Evil 2 and 3 Remake. As for other stuff that they had at that showcase, just real quick, they showed a tiny bit of gameplay of Resident Evil 4 Remake. They announced... the. Uh, I, I think they showed a little bit more of Street Fighter, but not something substantial. Just
1: a little uh, bit, yeah. They
0: announced that, I think, tomorrow they're doing a video for the 10-year anniversary of Dragon's Dogma. I would assume, based on the leaks of both the Capcom leak and the NVIDIA leak, that's maybe where they're going to tease Dragon's Dogma 2. So, we'll see. I
1: hope so.
0: But the big one that there was that, yeah, Resident Evil 7, 2, and 3, that we were de- we announced the patches er- earlier this year. They're out now.
1: And- I am kind of shocked that the, well, for one thing, uh, the shadows of Rose is a DLC and not the sequel. Uh-huh. That's really what I thought was going to happen. Secondly, that uh, they just flat out spoiled the, in- the ending of village. Yeah. If, you play- just like, yeah. if yeah. you didn't
0: play village F you, that was a, that, <laughs> that was it that was- thing.
1: I felt a little frustrated at them by that because I was like, oh, thank God I played that game because imagine finding out those details. I mean, I'm not going to Yeah,
0: you're not going to really spoil say it. Yeah. it
1: yeah. But it, the, the stuff that happens in Village is just like, yeah, so that happened. This is what's going up next. And I was like, whoa guys that's a big deal Mm -hmm. uh but anyway i mean rose was a cool character to be introduced to in the first place so the fact that i'm going to find out what's the deal with her much sooner rather than later will Mm -hmm. actually get me to buy a resident evil dlc in the first time in like five years or something yeah because the last dlc yeah
0: the last dlc i bought was all the way back in resident evil 5 because i didn't buy the 7 dlc
1: yeah, I didn't buy any of that either because I felt like one of them, the one with uh, Zoe, and of Zoe,
0: and of Zoe is Resident Evil Seven and the banned footage. Yeah. Volume one and volume two.
1: I felt like neither of those added anything to it. However, the found footage that was the Chris Redfield one, right? Mm-hmm. That was at least like an interesting change of pace, which, as we saw, no, no, no,
0: fan footage is not Chris Redfield. That's also just part it's of just
1: the Chris. What's the name of that? Not one? a hero. Not a hero. Okay, so yeah. I'm thinking that. And that about was that. free,
0: and 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 the not a hero DLC was free. That's right.
1: Okay, because so it was that, that was the only one I was interested in, and then I forgot to play it. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm just interested in playing Rose's DLC. I love her character design. I love the reason she's in the story. I love the fact that she has pseudo powers um, that I want them mm-hmm. to explore more of because they're really going in a different direction with Village, but like in a cooler way than they mm-hmm. did with Six. Because that seems like they're it's almost the same, but like they're they're doing it in such a way that it feels more organic to the storyline, if mm-hmm. that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I'm just happy they... Uh, they're giving me another reason to, to get to uh, run through village again, again a game that I liked I a lot. But I, I, wonder I don't what love. it's gonna
1: feel like to play in third. That's person. what, yeah.
0: That's what I'm more excited because the thing is that gameplay-wise, despite the perspectives, is like the RE engine works similarly for both seven and eight and two and three. Same control, stick, same control scheme, same feel it's- of aiming.
1: It's you funny how well they built their engine, that they could just switch it like this, Uh-huh. Yeah. and it and, still uh, works.
0: I would wonder if this is now them conceding that third person is Resident Evil, because I would say that first person works better for Biohazard, because of its more deliberate... Uh,
1: Definitely. I don't think it would be nearly as interesting to walk around in that world, because it's so drab and single color-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, like, Village has so much going on that you could kind of get away with it, I think.
0: I'll say the next gen uh, version because I didn't put it in what I've been, pl- I've been playing because I just played the initial section. Uh, until you get into the tables, the faces have improved much, much more on really? PS5. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: I haven't seen two and three yet, but I have two installed. But yeah, more and you all, Thank God. Number three, Paul, it is being claimed that the next Nintendo Direct is going to happen the last week of June. According to Alana Pierce with some extra corroboration made by Beta Games Chronicle, the, the Nintendo Direct that usually happens around E3 time is allegedly happened on June 29th. What will we see there? What's interesting is that I was talking with this with PJ and that extended conversation that I'm still yet to post here. That's full of cursing. I need to like bleep all of that. <laughs> uh, that a Nintendo usually makes directs as soon as a big game that they have come out comes out and uh in that case was super mario Stry- the the mario strikers game that, that came out on switch
1: out, yes that
0: people really like but there's some still some disappointment with how bare bones it is which is like has been uh, the, is has, it really yeah has been the basically the mo for nintendo when it comes to the sports games they have been putting out on switch that oh. they just fill it up after uh That's like, but it's still like, it got good reviews compared to Mario to Mario Golf, which also was a bare bones release. I am interested to see if this big Nintendo Direct, technically they, here's the thing. Nintendo already has the rest of their year filled up. Um, Zelda got delayed, but the two Pokemon games are in November. Splatoon is in September. Xenoblade Chronicles got pushed up to July. The only thing that I can see them happening, and it's the eternal hope that happens over and over <laughs> and over yeah. and over. Every and, time. Every, and every time uh, a Nintendo Direct comes in and that doesn't happen, it breaks my heart. Uh, but there's been the thing that people have noted Nintendo has made it a point that Zelda has had a presence in a Nintendo Switch every freaking year. Yeah. Uh, it's is a 2017 Breath of the Wild, 2018 the Necromancer Necromancing the Stone, uh you know, Cadence Cad- Cadence of Hyrule. That was oh, yeah. that was in 2018. 2019 gave us uh Zelda Link Between Worlds remake. 2020 gave us Age of Calamity, very like last minute, they popped that yeah. on us. 2021 gave us uh, Skyward Sword remastered. HD. So if you see every year has had a Zelda something. So <laughs> With Breath of the Wild, ponting,
1: please,
0: please, please. <laughs> they have a month that they have nothing in October. Oh. This is the Zelda Wind Waker anniversary, twentieth anniversary, oh, FYI, and it's also the Metroid Prime twentieth anniversary.
1: Oh man! Well, you know that Metroid's not getting anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely not.
1: Oh, uh, even
0: though like Dread has sold decent for them, like it was the best-selling Metroid game individually but it's still At least like...
1: we know that the series is saved because of Dread and mm-hmm. I was just thinking about it recently Um, that I might want to one day revisit Dread because Because of the
0: easy mode the rookie mode
1: Play Because it. of my frustration with Elden Ring I was like yeah. you know Dread wasn't that bad in the yeah. end Yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so I remember
0: day. you you put the uh when we were watching the Game Awards uh, in Metroid Dread won. Action adventure game of the year.
1: Oh, I'm sure you, I got really pissed.
0: Yeah, yeah. You made the meme of the Squidward meme of like him looking about, uh, at uh, Patrick and uh, SpongeBob. <laughs> I <laughs> think like,
1: I remember what you were talking about. Uh,
0: you being like, you being like, uh, hate it or i don't remember who was i hate me the metroid hater and seeing everyone like absolutely celebrating Metroid, like,
1: excited about metroid dread winning the action adventure game and like mm-hmm. me who hated it yeah uh <laughs> i mean i still hold by all those criticisms which was in like a three video saga that we all went through yeah um <laughs> but man it's i i just i love the just, a lot of stuff about that so anyway i was just thinking about it while we were uh yeah. doing all this
0: but that's the thing like those if even nintendo would have to make a direct because they're because i was making that uh, argument with uh PJ data i could see them waiting until september to do their big direct because pokemon games are never announced by them that's pokemon company that does them yeah so i could see them be like okay um splatoon is out now let's talk about our games again and that's why they were talking September. But if they're gonna fill up the year now, maybe they're gonna do it. It's crazy that they, they didn't do it three. this week. And uh, I'll just say this: It's like I'm. I would have expected more companies to finally like default to Summer Game Fest in a way. Now
1: I would think it would be the the path of least resistance. Exactly,
0: but, but it seems that so many uh, developers are still not fully in to to Keeley's thing. And now E3 is. They say they're coming back next year with a in-person event and, a, and 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 a live stream for conferences.
1: More competition than I thought there would be, frankly.
0: Yeah, and Keeley said, "Oh, we're also doing a live stream event and an in-person event." So they're gonna put them next to each other. So
1: next year it's gonna be hell for us to. Record. Yeah, because
0: because he who's gonna go where. That's yeah. a, that's gonna that's gonna be like the big question. God
1: forbid if they try to schedule things and then the other one shows up and then one of those is at the same time. I'll say
0: I'll say this, Paul. If, if there's something that I for this year is that Square Enix didn't do a presentation because mm. you, last year they gave me my the gold for an entire
1: year. I, I feel like you've hyped up the concept of Strangers of Paradise, yeah. causing me physical pain <laughs> yeah. for so long <laughs> for that you didn't realize year. that it's not even that great of a game. You just like watching me suffer. It's a
0: fun game. I just, it's uh, <laughs> I still, I yeah. still just standing there for me.
1: It's like. So. It's like shovelware PS3 action game, but because it hurt me, you yeah. were like, "This is the greatest thing I've ever." That's seen. the thing. I,
0: I'm never, I'm, I've never, i had never been facetious at saying that I enjoyed that game in the casual difficulty, and you did too. I, did. I, I had, did. I have receipts.
1: You're like, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue that fact. Yeah. I'm just. But I definitely
0: played it up because I knew how much you hated it. Yeah. It definitely part of it is that I liked hyping it up because of how much you hated it. Well, what I was surprised that I actually enjoyed it. Also, so that,
1: that is the funniest twist out of all of this. Yeah, when because we I, I that last I, yeah. demo, we were like, "Oh crap! This is actually kind of fun."
0: Yeah, <laughs> it is. Mm. Uh, definitely no meme-worthy game that you hate this time.
1: Not so, this
0: time. So yeah, but then when Nintendo, please, I we have heard many reports from reputable sources that 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 Twilight Princess and Wind Waker are just sitting there. They sat on Pikmin, so oh. until they finally released it. Yeah, I still remain hopeful. I will forever remain hopeful, even if you guys put it in the freaking Nintendo Switch Online as a GameCube thing. I don't care. Just give it to me. I don't want to play it in my Wii anymore. <laughs> so
1: definitely, I I don't even think my Wii works anymore. Honestly, it's that. all set to dormant.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I
1: don't think it would start up.
0: <laughs> trust me, it may. The Wii, my, like, I, yeah, the, the Wii is like yeah. The Wii is like so. Technologically light that My you want me to worry.
1: Rabbit ate through the uh, the laser reader that's supposed to plug. Yeah, into it's the not back gonna work. It. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I would not be able to unless I found like an off market one. So there there is getting...
0: a there is a chance. There's a hundred million of, the, of those suckers out there. I'm hoping so. so. Final story, Paul. I wish PJ had been here for this because there's a in the last the last minute thing he said he could have been and then something happened at the Hertz apartment where he couldn't be. So, Sonic Frontiers will not be delayed as a result of fan feedback, insists Sonic Team's boss. Takashi Yuka says the public don't understand the new format they're trying with this new Sonic entry. This is said despite the hashtag DelaySonicFrontiers having trended earlier earlier this month after the gameplay revealed by IGN. I just
1: love when somebody in the developing side just says, you don't understand. Uh, it, It reminds me of Battlefield 2042 quite a bit.
0: Yes, and also Battlefield 5. And uh oh, yeah. let me like find some of the uh, quotes. I need to oh, find that boy. because I didn't put them here well, because
1: then, while you do that, I'm going to yeah. just start chatting about it because uh I finally got to actually look at some gameplay of Sonic Frontiers uh-huh. and uh what is going on with Sonic's body? Uh it's just he he doesn't move the way he should. He just kind of like uh, stands there okay. and then his model gets thrown at things.
0: Yeah. I'm going to read you exactly like the interview they gave to the BGC. Hit it. Isuka says, it's not really that surprising, Isuka replied. We do realize everyone is just kind of reacting to the videos that they saw. And because they don't understand what this new gameplay is, they're kind of comparing it to other games that they already know. And, uh, and this new game system itself is something that doesn't really exist in any other comparable titles. So we really hope that from here until launch, we can really explain what Open Zone Gameplay is. He added, If people come to Gamescom or Tokyo Game Show, they can get that hands-on experience to play the game and understand what the game is. Because right now, we're just kind of watching videos of people reacting to what they believe the game to be. Uh, frontiers is in development now and actually we're doing a lot of play testing with our target audience who would be in that demographic of someone who'd play a sonic game and enjoy it from our play testing results we had we have been iterating we have been listening to the comments that come back but we've also been getting a lot of great feedback from people who rate the game and are like i had a lot of fun of, i had a lot of fun playing this game i get like an 80 or 90 point score out of 100 so we do feel that we're getting to the point where this game is done and people will like it and we don't want to get that game into our fans as soon as possible. He added, we really feel confident in the playtest results that we're getting. A lot of people are saying they had a lot of fun. They really enjoyed the game. But we're working right now with our team in Japan who are really hard at work to make sure these holiday people can buy the game, pick it up, take it home and have a fun experience with it. So if our development team all gets coronavirus or they're all hospitalized or there's something that actually prohibits us from being able to deliver the game on time, we will need more time. (laughs) So I guess they gotta get COVID. Oh.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, um
0: I can't wait for those 80 and 90s to turn into the 30s and 40s when the actual people review oh, the games man. actually review the game.
1: It's like this man walked out of some kind of capsule that mm-hmm. just shields him from all of the world, and he doesn't genuinely realize where Sonic has been mm-hmm. uh, in the video games world.
0: Yeah. Let me read what Skillup's reactions was when he played the game because I uh, I, I posted those. I, it in, lives uh, rent free in my yeah. head right now. So Skillup played the game. He actually went from flew all the way from Australia to Summer Game Fest, and he said. I played Sonic Frontiers and I did not enjoy myself. I had to ask the staff at the beginning of the demo if it was being cloud streamed because the image looks so grainy and degraded. Nope, that's just how it looks. The text side of it is just awful at this point. Horrible pop-in, both in the distance and nearby ground textures, low-res textures, choppy frame rate, the game just looks kind of blurry all the time, and just so last gen. No way this doesn't get delayed. And there's the design stuff. The open world is so dull and vacant. Enemies so weirdly designed. Puzzles so uninteresting. Music so out of place. The floating rails just floating. I spoke to more than a few people that really like this, but that sure as shit ain't where I'm at. And I... I... wish PJ was here to reiterate what he said to me like near the end of our like reaction where...
1: What did he say?
0: It was like, apparently there's a continued group that they want this guy to be fired because this guy has been in charge of things like uh sonic forces
1: oh this is that okay i remember when y'all were talking about this yeah so because he had like what six seven or eight different flops in the sonic side of Mm -hmm. it he's like if this is a professional sports team you get three losing seasons you get fired immediately exactly so the fact that he's still in charge after sonic just keeps flopping left and right. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not a good sign.
0: Yeah, and I'll say this: is like, this is the worst time for you to put a 3D Sonic game. That's bad. Like, the movies have like recovered and reintegrated Sonic's image into something that people can champion. Those movies are good. Sonic, uh, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog two available now on Paramount Plus. FYI. Oh, I
1: forgot about that.
0: Yes, uh, you can watch that movie there. It's like those movies had like, they reviewed fairly well for a video game movie. Like when you're like above a 60 on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, that's fresh. Yeah. People that have gone there, like kids have freaking loved that movie.
1: Understandable. I've watched the first one at least. And it was mm-hmm. like, I actually was like, oh, this is a cute yeah. little kids movie. This yeah awesome. the first The
0: first movie was a fun, charming movie. Yeah. Uh, that that had like such a great family connection that is the kind of movie that i remember watching as a kid like going into the movies it's like i'm glad that sonic has been able to like break through and do that mm-hmm. don't like erase all that goodwill by putting a bad sonic game when in the world in this world where everyone like screams calamity someone here included when a game got delayed two years ago you we are <laughs> cyberpunk oh yeah yeah Uh, we are here where people are actively asking delay sonic frontiers yeah these are the fans making a hashtag trend telling you please delay this and you're like no you don't get it it's like my dudes just don't put it out it's like nurture your ip like Sonic has been a meme forever. Yes. I I mean, you can see Sonic there and like popping back. He's he's looking over your shoulder. I love the character. At the same time, I acknowledge in the gaming space, ever since like the Sonic Heroes days, with Shadow the Hedgehog, the, 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 the Shadow the Hedgehog, the game, Sonic Boom, Sonic 06, Sonic Unleashed, Sonic Forces. It's just been trash fire after trash fire. Sonic Colors was like, okay, they're finally like finding a way to make something good out of it and then uh um, Sonic and the Knight something that was horrendous it was the like Black Knight and the Black you Knight know. for Wii that was like Sonic with a sword that game was like a that third
1: was, it's my first no that was my second Sonic game ever the first one was the Arabian Knights
0: Oh god, I feel so yeah. sorry. I, I, feel I so stepped sorry into the you.
1: Sonic world at the wrong at the, or, time. At the wrong,
0: absolutely worst and that's time possible.
1: Immediately bounced off it and was like, okay, guess I don't yeah. like Sonic.
0: That's the thing, like you having missed Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure 2, Battle, like Sonic Heroes, that era where he was mm-hmm. good. Yeah, really sucks because then it took until Sonic Generations to mix 2D Sonic with like the good parts of Sonic Unleashed to be like, okay, it's like we're finally getting back on track. And then they completely crapped the bed with. Uh, Forces, which was originally pitched as this is Sonic Generation 2. And imagine, and that's bad. It's like how many times can you fumble? Like the fan game Sonic Mania was brought so much like prestige to Sonic's name back in 2017. It's like it takes fans to make a good Sonic game. And I just don't understand how. With Sonic being the perpetual IP that Sega has that is recognizable. Thank God Persona and Yakuza have finally made names for themselves. That Sonic being obliterated into crit- into critical mullings doesn't hurt Sega because they finally have two things that are beloved. It's like so and this would be the time for you, like, okay, we got a Sonic movie that's good. Two of them. Let's get the game good. Let's Somehow. give let's give Sonic fans the win. The Sonic cycle is a mean for a reason yeah and it's insane that it lives up to the sonic cycle all the time although this time now that the, the guy that now the fans caught up on the bat early on and be like no please delay it <laughs> because it's always until reviews and the games out in the wild that
1: i'm just glad that somehow this ended up getting like a positive shift where the general public is like yeah we're okay if you delay this thing Mm -hmm. um because i don't shoot just three two three years ago that was unheard of and it was like a freaking nightmare Mm -hmm. but um especially even myself i always been like oh man if i had the opportunity to go back to certain games and say hey please delay this metal gear solid 5 for instance Mm -hmm. i look back almost daily when i listen to some of the soundtrack pieces and i think Gosh, this could have been the best game I've ever played if they had just actually finished it.
0: Yeah, but that's the thing. Like that one was the creator was fired.
1: Yeah, so they wouldn't be able to
0: they wouldn't be able to finish having finished that game without the creative lead.
1: The, so. the the idea stands behind that. But yeah, there was a that was probably not the best example because of some very specific things that happened. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Cyberpunk, for instance. I think there.
0: Cyberpunk is the perfect example. Easy especially delay. Especially uh, for that one that got four delays in the same year. That to me is like yeah. the most insane part because... That was bad. Because we got the first delay. That game was supposed to come out on April 16, 2020. We got the first delay second week of January. The day before Last of Us 2 was supposed to launch on June 18th. We got the second delay. When that game was in September, that it was moving to November. We reached and then he was like yeah it's it's gold now and they got gold in September it's like okay it's I told you fall this is gold it's, it's locked now The game's done then we reach October delayed again it's like <laughs> and then it's like the game comes out and it's a complete trash fire in the lower tier consoles so it's like that definitely has spoiled things in a way but it's rare especially like Right now, like, look what's happening with God of War Ragnarok. The Bloomberg report saying, oh, yeah, it's like, we have heard that at the end of this month they're going to give it a date for November. And uh, Corey, Barlog, Corey Barlog returning to Twitter yesterday to kind of like get like a wink and a nod. It's like, some people are just wanting that game to come out now and I think they're going to be happy for a delay. Usually fans are not happy for a delay. These fans are asking for one. Think about that. <laughs> Oh man, it's... I feel I feel bad for diehard Sonic fans. I really feel bad. We saw that we witnessed the Sonic cycle in front of our very eyes. PJ was Thank like, you. "I'm so excited for this, for Frontiers." The day after, I want this thing delayed, literally. So,
1: I I'm just really glad that I'm outside of that uh, yeah. fandom right now. Exactly, I, like, I,
0: I I'm glad that I can appreciate the character, but I don't consider myself part of that fandom to be burned definitely so, <laughs> it's just funny to watch it's always funny it's like what's funny is that DC fans in the movie side was the Sonic Cycle also, especially yeah, in the Snyder yeah, era.
1: that's um, that's very <laughs> similar a lot of fart <laughs> smelling in that direction too yeah
0: <laughs> and with that Paul we conclude this week's episode so starting next week we're back back to normal again no more showcases no more like blasts of news hopefully we don't get uh, we get some good stuff to, to talk about with because it's, it's seeming slow, now, right? Now that everything's kind of past us, so no abandon this time. We're here in the nearing. Actually, oh. a year ago today was when that stupid account tweeted "abandon's name starts with an S, ends with an L." That's when it started, exactly yep. a year ago. So,
1: Oof. I hope something happens yeah. to them. Uh, I, I want some kind of recourse for the, the scam that they pulled on people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> At least it kept us with some food for that summer. Yeah. so hopefully It was an it was...
1: interesting time, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. And uh, around this time, I still didn't have my PS5 a year ago. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Despite me buying it on May, I got it in July 3rd. So it's weird thinking about just a year ago from like today. I know. Where we were from where, when we were recording. So where can people find you, Paul?
1: As always, y'all can find me at Dork of Art on Twitter. That's where I post all of my stuff from art to other things. And in the next several months, we'll see if I can start posting some of the things that I'm working on. Um, it's, uh, it's pixel art related. And I know that I could say that much and uh, I'll probably do a lot more art and maybe animated things just to like be practicing about mm-hmm. it. So take a look there. Where can they find you?
0: They can find me at, on Twitter at A underscore Dorosegobia where I can make fun of some senders sometimes. Uh, you can uh, follow me at Segovia 93 where I post the links for the show on Instagram. And you can find the, writ- the, the written content for thecriticalcorner.com where I'm gonna now like shake off the cobwebs and just talk about all these showcases we got and see who the winner was in my opinion one that i didn't expect so paul it's been a pleasure always recording the show with you and remember people you can always catch us from wednesdays onwards right now until further notice whenever we decide to make the shift when everything is put together and don't forget to like and subscribe and remember press x
1: play good night everybody
0: Hasta luego.